0: Welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Guys, I'm your host for the ad space. My name is Kevin Estella. I'm the director of training. This is going to be a really good podcast featuring our good friend Kevin Owens, who's heading up Fieldcraft, North Carolina. Along uh, with him today on the podcast is Rick Hogg, who is a Delta Force dog handler. Really, really amazing individual, someone who has done some pretty great stuff for this country that we live in. Um, first sponsor I want to recognize is Black Rifle Coffee. Black Rifle Coffee is located in Salt Lake City. They've been good friends of ours for a very, very long time, and we've toured their facility. We've seen the company inside and out. I've seen where they print all their t-shirts, I've seen where they roast the coffee beans, I've seen where they have coffee experts and they you know, can tell you about the different aromas and this and that and all the chemistry behind it. It really is science. Um, not to mention, I've actually been up in Evan's personal office where he does his podcast. And I've become very, very jealous when I saw the original print he has of, uh, or the original painting he has of John Rambo from the novel First Blood um, that he picked up. I don't want to tell you what he, he paid for it, um, but let's just say he didn't pay enough. And uh, I'll tell you guys, the Black Rifle Coffee Company, they're they're good folks. Uh, their website is www.blackriflecoffee.com. I've used their instant coffee on camping trips and hiking trips for I don't know how long now. I even carry every some, you know, uh, every single day I have a bunch of it in my my bag. So, I'll tell you that I've used their stuff. I like their stuff. I like the folks here at Fieldcraft. We have, you know, a Keurig machine and we've got Black Rifle Coffee pods, which has allowed me to sample all the other ones that are out there. So, I'll let you guys decide what your favorite flavor is. Personally, I'm a big fan of silence or smooth but I also like Beyond Black, and uh, they've got something for everyone. So please check them out, www.blackrebelcoffee.com. Our second sponsor is Vertex. Uh, website is vertex.com, that is V-E-R-T-X.com. If you use the coupon code Fieldcraft, you will get 20% off of your order. And Vertex makes it all, right? They make clothing, they make backpacks, they make um, ballistic panel compatible gear. If you are someone who believes, hey, I need to leave my house with not only the sidearm uh, on my waistband, but I also need to carry something compact and deployable inside of a backpack, guess what? Vertex has you covered. I've used the Vertex stuff in the great outdoors. Um, you know, as a survival instructor, I've worn it on a pilot episode that I did for a TV show for the History Channel where I crossed almost, it was 28 miles, I think, through the desert. And uh, that was over three days and stuff held together great. Vertex is a really, really great company offering some clothing that will serve you very, very well for all of your needs, everyday carry, concealed carry, you name it. So please check them out, vertex.com. The very, very last sponsor we're going to get to today before we get to this podcast with Kevin Owens and Rick Cog is Triarch Systems. I've said it every single podcast that I've had a chance to talk about our good friends over at Triarch. I'm really hoping that a, a Triarch pistol lands in my lap or on my desk or under the Christmas tree because Triarch, they know how to make good guns even better. Uh, big fan of their Tri 11. I'll tell you, it feels like it's riding on rails and you know they can take a pistol or a rifle that's known for performance and get even more out of it. Uh, a number of trainers have them and I think you guys should look into them too. Again, great folks, good friends, long time friends of Fieldcraft. So go to their website, www.triarchsystems.com, use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT, and you'll get 5% off your order. Um, And with the current price of ammo, I've said it before, I think 5% off your order might get you, I don't know, at this rate, maybe a single primer. Yeah, I think think you'll get a primer, um, because God knows how much those things are going for now. All right, folks, without further ado, here is our long range expert Jedi Master Kevin Owens, interviewing Rick Hogg.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And today I'm sitting in Faithful North Carolina, talking to Rick from Warhog Tactical. Um, so I, I, I got introduced to you last year. I think Mike introduced me. Yeah. Um, we, we kind of stomped a lot of the same grounds mm-hmm. in, in, in the special operations community. And we're just gonna kind of sit down, have a chat today. Cool. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of, I think I got this from Mike, but I always have a template on how I start these things because I think it's important to provide context. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is uh, just go back to the start and and talk about, you know, where where you're born, where you grew up, kind of early inf- influences on life, and I'm always interested on. In, you know, what was that trigger point where you said, you know what, I want to be a soldier? And you know, you get different things. Everybody thinks that, you know, guys who spent their life in the military or in special operations have, you know, they grew up and they always wanted to do that, but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it hits them later on. And uh but quite often it hits them around the age of, you know, fifteen. Maybe it's it's the the puberty thing or yeah. whatever, and they're like, Oh man, that looks like a cool job, right? Yeah. And you know, we all grew up with the influences of Vietnam and, oh, yeah. and, and all those conflicts that were going on back then. So I, I always think that's a, that's a, a kind of a interesting way to start. So
2: uh, if you could just take it from there. Yeah, buddy. Thanks, Kevin. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in New Hampshire. Um, really, I'm thinking I'm going to go back even earlier to when I was going to join the military. So you got to think in family lineage, my dad was a Vietnam vet. My grandfather was a World War II vet, so serving was uh, in there. You got to think, like I said, the Vietnam era. There was a lot of that uh, influence going on. You know, John Wayne, The Green Berets, a mm-hmm. classic movie. So really, when you look at education wise, man, what are these guys doing? And that's something I want to I want to do. So I would say 100. percent You know, John Wayne, The Green Berets, big factor in my life. Mm. Obviously, with the the family history as well. And then when you kind of fast forward, you know. I think a lot what set me up for success within the Army Special Operations was actually wrestling in high school. So my coach, man, it, unbeknownst to me, he was medieval, right? So he would sit there and first day of practice here, I'm a freshman, you know, I'd wrestle a little bit beforehand, but you go to high school, you're kind of in the big leagues now, get out there. And I'm thinking day one, <laughs> hey, we're going to learn some moves. Nope. All conditioning, you know, and next you know, guys are quitting, guys are quitting. And this goes on for like probably two or three weeks. You, I,
1: I, I'm going to ask you a question yeah, because I'll forget if I don't. And I almost always, I already probably know the answer. Mm-hmm. When you're in a group of guys and guys are quitting, does that fuel you even more? Do you like take that energy from them? Because I, I, I used to do this myself and I've mm-hmm. talked to a bunch of SF guys and especially when when you're in selection mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden 20 people quit and 30 people quit. You're like, they're quitting really? And I, you always pull that energy from them.
2: So you do later on in life you do. Mm-hmm. So this is the thing. Back when you're you know a freshman in high school, what are you like 14 years old or something? Mm. Are you really are you drawn off that energy? Well, you're kind of like, hey, better them than me. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, but yeah. Later yeah. on, in, later on in life, you yeah. know, especially you know out at SFAS, yeah, guys are bailing. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. beat it, buddy. Yeah. you know, yeah. It, yeah. it just it fuels you more. Yeah. Plus two, you're going there with such a desire. Yeah, you know that. Hey, I'm going to keep rolling no yeah. matter what. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, But that, you know, like I said, the the wrestling and what you find, and I think people forget this, right? So the freshman year, kind of new thing, right? But you get through it, no big deal. So what happens next year? You're doing the same thing, but you know what to expect. So you mm-hmm. keep driving on. So it's not, it's that mindset of, yep, coach has his magic formula, whatever we're going to do, you keep PTing us, PTing us, yep, guys are quitting. All right, we get the magic number. We start actually training. mm mm-hmm goes on for four years so you i mean i was already preconditioned if you want to say mm. to embrace the suck for lack of better terms mm. then you show up you know go down to fort benning georgia for almighty one station unit training you know <laughs> and it's just yeah. it, it's another day yeah it, it's no big deal yeah That's, and you know you kind of take it from there throughout your career
1: did, did uh, having been from a military family who fought in conflicts mm-hmm. um were your parents on board going into the military Uh, Like, was your mom like, oh my God,
2: you know what I mean? Because she'd been through that lifestyle. They didn't show it if they weren't. Now, here's what I'll say, because I signed up at 17, so I needed their signature to do the delayed entry program. Mm -hmm. Because originally, and I'll date myself here a little bit, SF actually had the SF baby program. What, What ended up happening was when I was originally... Talking to the recruiters that was going to be my plan was to be an sf baby mm. but at that 87 time frame that's when sf went to a branch that all went away and it's like hey we can give you this uh 11 x-ray airborne no bonus by the way mm. um contract and it's like yeah sure sounds good you went, so, in, you went in what year so actually i went in 88 but i did delayed entry in 87 damn you don't look that old man 29
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah Okay. Um yeah, the SF baby program was the eighteen X ray program where you come straight in off the street and mm-hmm. sign up for Special Forces and then go through all the training. Well, and it, uh, yeah, it's, a,
2: it's eighteen X ray now. Yeah. I, I forget because you gotta think, I don't they didn't have the eighteen designation. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it was the Sierra designation okay. for for like the eleven series or yeah. whatever your MOS was. Yeah. It's funny how
1: it went away. <laughs> And then it came back mm-hmm. later on. Yeah. And so a lot of the senior leaders who brought it back were actually 18 X-rays in, oh, yeah. in the early yeah. 80s. Like the regiment command sergeant major, Brian Edwards, who's a friend of mine, spent 32 years in SF, became the highest ranking enlisted member in the whole unit. He mm-hmm. was an 18 x yeah. back then, right? So, and it came back because, um, number one, we needed people. Mm-hmm lots of people because of what was going on in the war. And then it, it uh, you get that longevity, right? You get a 22-year-old kid, mm-hmm. and you get him in, and he goes through training, and he's 24. Well, now he's got so much longevity, sure. that they stay in the unit. So but you get a lot out of them.
2: You do, and I think there's pros and cons to it. There is. So, you know, your 18-year-old, yeah, he's 18. You know, does he really have a lot to offer? Yeah. Where you look at guys, you know, when SFAS wasn't accepting 18 x-rays, All right, you get guys that have a little more time and a little more experience. Now, I think the 18 X-ray program works, hey, if you're the Mm 20-something and you've got some world experience, Superman, you're bringing something to the plate. Yeah. So it's similar when you look at, like, people will smash the uh, SF guard guys. Man, but you look at some of these guys, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you look at their outside skill sets. Mm Mm-hmm. And you go, you've got a whole suite, you've got guys that are professional carpenters, welders, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, you could have doctors. So it's, people throw them under the bus, but you're like, look at the skill set these guys have. Yeah, I know
1: early on in GWAT, like in the Afghanistan invasion and mm -hmm. and soon thereafter, when... SF units were like gathering intel and interrogating people. A lot of these guard guys were cops. Yeah. Man, they crushed yeah. it. Exactly, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'd never... And the, the x program has... It has pros and cons, right? Sure. It really does. Mm-hmm. And I think the cutoff now is 22 to go into it, I think. And um, like I ran the, the Warrior Leader course and they all came through basic AIT airborne uh, selection and it came to me for three weeks. So I had a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, a lot of them highly educated Sure. Um, college degrees, very physically fit, knew what they were getting into mm-hmm. under no illusion. Um, I mean, you're always going to get the, some guys that are immature, and, but you get that everywhere, right? Yeah. So it, it really does have pros and cons. So um, so you couldn't go into the extra program, so you went in the infantry. Yep. You're like, I just want to be an infantry guy,
2: right? Well, yeah. Well, I got the airborne option as well. Oh, okay. So, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew I wanted to do the whole airborne thing. Yeah. Um, yep, do the old... One station unit training down at Fort Benning, uh, get airborne school done. So I tried, you know, the the rangers were down there um, recruiting, mm-hmm. tried to go over to ranger regiment, but check it out. Because I was an 11 Charlie. They weren't taking 11 Charlies. I'm yeah. like, what's the difference? Yeah. You, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So It's all timing. It, it's all, all timing. It, it's all to, it is. Yeah, yeah. So I wind up coming up to uh, Fort Bragg, 82nd Airborne Division, cool. 1st, 1st, 1st Battalion, 505th mm-hmm. Parachute Infantry Regiment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it was a great place. So I learned, I had a great first squad leader that taught me probably the most valuable lesson I've taken from leadership. Mm -hmm. And he's like, when you're looking at leaders do this, he's like, you wanna take the bad that you learn from people, stick that in one pocket. You wanna take the good from those other leaders, stick that in the other pocket. Always draw from the good, but remember the bad. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those that, yeah, you may have some poor leaders out there, but if you didn't like their style, you didn't like the way they're doing business, don't, yeah. don't emulate yeah, it because yeah. you see too many guys that start going down that road. Yeah. You
1: probably had some leaders at that time that were Vietnam vets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, had that combat experience. Yeah. And and it, it, it's, it's. I was in the Irish Army at this time, but I can't imagine how different the military was when the time you get out to the time you're in and in the late eighties, mm-hmm. it, it had to be like uh a completely different mindset a completely because it went through a rough period after vietnam yep. and it became very very uh kind of not the place to be a transition but it was coming back by the late 80s after reagan it, and all yep. that
2: right yeah it, it, it was coming back but we're still a peacetime army yeah so you got to think um panama kicks off in 89 mm-hmm. kind of little inject because yeah we had Vietnam vets. Mm-hmm. We also had some grenade Raiders as well, mm. you know, so you've got some guys that have seen some combat, you know, passing some some lessons down, but then Panama kicks off. So you get kind of that inject. Mm. Um, fast forward, what, in, in 90, you know, Desert Storm yeah. kicks off. Yep. So now, boom, you wind up, so versus having part of the division have some combat experience, you got the entire division. So you saw a slight shift during that time frame. Yeah. Um, did you get to go to Desert Storm? I did. You did? Oh, yeah. Okay. 80 second. Uh, paratroopers with no
1: armor, go ahead and sit in the desert, dig a hole and get a rocket and stand by. <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: that was pretty much, I mean, that was it, Kevin, right? Yeah. So when we first got there, you got to understand, you know, guys that are experienced at GWAT nowadays living high on the horse. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, they blew us out. Um, we get over to Saudi Arabia. Jungle boots, BDUs, well, LCE Vietnam LCE.
3: Yep, yep,
2: had, yep. But they did. We did get a blistering two sets of the chocolate chip.
3: Oh, um, high
2: speed. Yeah, buddy. What's your M sixteen? Oh yeah, M sixteen A two iron sights.
1: Oh yeah. I I, I love how uh, yeah you know work work and force mod. I see what we have now you know, and I don't want to be that. Oh, back in my day, right? But 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 it worked. That is the that's you the made part. it work.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit some points here. Um. The art of iron sights, in my opinion, has been lost. Yeah, oh, it has. Yeah. Because if you ask somebody nowadays, hey, what's your battle sight zero? They have no idea what I'm talking about.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: So if you think about it, back in the day, you got your M16A2, Mm -hmm. or some of you had A1s earlier on, but we won't get into that. (laughs) Um, I could, in essence, pre-adjust my sights to confirm my zero when I went out to the range. Mm -hmm. It was, you know... I think we had it scribed. I think our SOP was in the left edge of your Kevlar or whatever. Just right High there, speed, right you know, there, man. Look there, yeah. left four, up two, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. And boom, yeah. because at that point it didn't matter. I could grab whatever rifle, put these adjustments on, and it's zeroed, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a an art that's been lost, but. Yep. Uh, but I I think that's always going
1: to be the case, right? You're always gonna. I I think there's a dangerous. Uh, Kind of theory of replacing equipment, replacing training with equipment in Mm -hmm. these days, right? Go, well, if we give them this equipment, we won't have to train on these skills. And and then that skill set's lost, right? see i agree with you but i disagree i I don't think it's a good thing no no, i I think i think there's a natural progression sure and things fall off right Mm -hmm. but there's some things that should never go away Mm -hmm. map and compass should never go i don't care how many gps's you have uh they will screw up when you need them most right so there are things that and i I look at young soldiers now and i'm like how much shit are we going to strap on these guys Mm -hmm. because they're going to be okay at a lot of things, sure, and uh, they're going to lose. You know, when, when you when you try to do everything, you you don't do everything really, mm-hmm. really well. So there's there's a huge there's a balance there, right? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And to me, I don't know what they're doing nowadays. Yeah. You know, I'm removed as far as hey, what are they teaching at basic and, and even down at the uh, the organizational level. Yeah. But if you train guys on iron sights, yeah, you lay that foundation, and you go, hey, you've got the skill set with these, cool. Mm-hmm. Now I can start adding other optics on there. That's just going to enhance your capability. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's the key part. People forget these are, you know, these this equipment is to enhance their capability, which should have already been built. Right. On Foundation. That. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A good sound, uh, foundational. But like I said, when they don't know what their battle size zeros are, yeah. Like, come on, guys, we're losing. Yeah. We're losing. A little we are. Bit. It. It. Uh. Yeah. It. it it's. It's a whole. Yeah. world did you have pluggers
1: back then so we did yeah but here's the so pro- a plugger is the early gps yeah. right and it, it made its debut as i remember in desert St- it, shield desert storm yep. right and i remember hearing about it and i'm like this thing shoots but, up and it's a satellite and comes by i'm like that is amazing but here's you know? here's
2: the problem right yeah. it didn't give you true coordinates right because what i understood back then is they were purposely messing up so now if the enemy had it they weren't giving them proper GPS coordinates. Okay. So there was some magical formula. I forget what it was. (laughs) Because I think the platoon start was really the only one that had one. Yeah. And all right, hey, you've got to take these last three digits, adjust this, add this, do some algorithm to get, here's your actual grid. Wow.
4: Yeah. So
1: so nowadays every GPS gives you bang, accurate mm-hmm. coordinates, right? Yeah. But I can imagine at the time, they're like, we got to protect this technology. Yep. And it was something when you're traveling across a, a, a basically a pool table mm-hmm. terrain in the desert, yep. that to be able to pinpoint your location, even within a couple of hundred meters, oh. was, is huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that was
2: actually, that was a pretty big leap in technology right there. What was that? Um, uh, but you got to look at, you know, technology. So you find out, when they start making all the uh, oil fires, yeah, we had some nods, had the old PVS sevens. Yeah. But you need, you know, starlight. Yeah. Dude, those things did not work. No, the
1: desert is one of the most darkest places I've ever been in my life. But
2: then you start slapping oil fire in there. (laughs) Yeah. Because you got to think our chocolate chips went from being brown and multicolored to pretty much black. Yeah. We were covered in that oil. What did your lungs do?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Got this bad cough.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but it was one of those where guys are living good nowadays in the GWAT. You know, you got to think, we got over there. Yeah. They were shipping us, I think it was like Hardee's hamburgers yeah. and a can of Pepsi. And that was our quote unquote rations that yeah. were obviously cold because they didn't want you eating the MREs. Um, we were stacked up by cordwood in some mechanics bay. Yeah, And it was like, yeah, when we said that, you know, the, the line in the sand. Yeah, we drew a line in the sand. Hey, this is where we're going to hold our defense. Yeah. The intent was as the Iraqi tanks were coming south, yeah. we're going to use dragons or toes to take them out. Yeah. Hopefully they go off the side of the road in this soft dirt. Yeah. And that was where the fight was going to be.
1: So I had a drill sergeant in, I went in 96 in the U.S. Army, mm-hmm. and he talked about being a, a 82nd airborne paratrooper in mm-hmm. Desert Shield, Desert tone yep. And he told me that. He yeah. was like, they basically made us dig a hole in the sand, give... Excuse me. Give us some rockets. Yep, and be like, "Yep, let them come and, and smoke them, or go down in the hole
2: and let them pass and shoot them in the in the, in the rear." But it, it was the thing was we were going to take them out. There was this one road coming from Iraq into Saudi Arabia, or maybe it was yeah, because we didn't go into Kuwait. It was mm-hmm. over in Saudi Arabia. Was where our little line was. Yeah, and the intent was you take out the first one that causes the bottleneck. The rest are going to go off to the side into this soft dirt. So we went out there and checked out the dirt. Yep. Tank treads wouldn't support, and then you just start, you know, playing whack-a-mole. Yeah. That was the defense. Was okay. Like, All hey. right. Hey, Breeswell. <laughs> it is
1: what it is. Yeah. Luckily, you didn't have to test oh, theory, right? Yeah. How old were you? Um twenty. Good for you. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so did you actually roll when the desert storm piece came in, you guys rolled into into uh Kuwait?
2: We went to Iraq. So we oh. were eighty-second was the big western Swing.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like the French foreign yep. legion. and French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
2: and here we are checking out the French, because at some point we linked up with them, right? Yeah. These guys are drinking wine, they got these <laughs> fancy MREs. <laughs> and hey, like, it's French. Yeah. yeah, it's like, what's this rubbish, man? Yeah. It's like,
3: look, <laughs> these guys are
2: living high, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've had French MREs, yeah. they were good, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We made that big swing to the West and uh, Talil Airfield was kind of our final objective. What kind of vehicles? Uh, so we heloed in. Okay. And then somehow we started getting, I think um, Humvees and Deuce and finally started coming up and just okay. made, our, made our push up in yeah, there. Yeah, so you
1: did a big Western flank. To, yep. Okay, cool, man. Yep. Um, how was that experience for a young soldier at that time? Was that like, this is the stuff I joined up for? Not a, was it like, no, this is <laughs> BS,
2: man. You gotta, yeah. you gotta think, we got there. So I got there in August. Um, Technically, Desert Storm didn't transition until I think it was uh, fifteen January ninety one. Mm. So it was a bunch of sitting around, a bunch of hanging out, a bunch of hey, let's make some concrete weights and let's try to be proactive yeah. and, and do stuff that well, Joe's going to do.
1: Pooping in, in the in the uh, that porta potty things where you pull the thing out and you burn it. Oh yeah. It,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that but that was all luxuries later on. Like we didn't have any of that stuff when we oh, first got so there. was just a hole in the sand. It, pff, in yeah, a, in a sandstone. That's it, man. <laughs> You know, so the, you know, the burning the buckets that came later on. Yeah. And then again, same did, you know, the burning of the trash pits and all that yes. other crap. Yeah. So that's where yeah. all that, yeah, yeah, all that frame, frame from. But yeah, it wasn't until uh, the 15th, you know, somebody tells us, hey, Desert Storm or Desert Shields, now Desert Storm. Um, you know, you start seeing the air raids going off. And then we start, you know, creeping closer to the border. And I forget exactly. And this is one of my things I tell guys, um, I highly recommend to anybody out there listening, take a lot of pictures and journal.
4: Yeah. Because yeah. it would
2: be it'd be really cool to be sitting here and going, Yeah, Kevin. Yeah. So on on fifteen January ninety one, yeah, Desert Storm kicked off. I was here, I did this.
4: Yeah.
1: Just a quick snippet. I agree, man. It, uh, I I I've been in so many cool places in my life. I, yeah. I I've like I spent nine months in Mogadishu, Somalia, as a mm-hmm. contract. I got like five pictures that somebody
2: gave me when I, yeah. I did. It wasn't important to me. Yep. I didn't care about it. Well, but man, it, I care about it now. Yeah, yeah. And and that's one thing. That's one lesson I always try to tell people. Yeah, if you can at least do a daily journal, yeah. just a quick hey snapshot of the day. Yeah, take pictures with everybody. Yeah. Because there's people that I I don't have pictures with that are no longer on this earth. Yeah. How
1: cool would it so be to, 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 to that's it, man. Yeah. Twenty year old you and your BDUs and your jungle boots and oh, yeah. thinking, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You know, we we got a couple of those and stuff, but you know, that would be one thing. But um I know as it as it progressed, we moved up closer to uh to the border. And I remember sitting there on the border going, All right, a I think it was a sortie of three B fifty twos flew over. And about fifteen minutes later, they dump their payload. And this is like oh dark thirty when you're on fire guard or mm-hmm. watch or whatever you're doing. And man, you could feel the overpressure from there. Yeah. So it, so it kind of put a reality. If you think back, you know we're talking earlier really watching those Vietnam movies and stuff like that. Yeah, of watching these B two strikes. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, man. Yeah, them boys in the other end. Yeah, if I'm feeling it way back here, whatever fifteen minute. 20 minute flight is for B 52. Yeah. Those guys have got to be getting wrecked.
1: Devastating. Yeah. Devastating. Was there, was there, um, was there a sense of like be with you and all the other younger soldiers? Was Mm -hmm. there a sense of we're going to the combat, we might die? You know, I don't know that that ever, I don't know
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. Death wasn't, I don't think it ever came up.
4: Yeah. Because
2: you were so instilled, you're, you're this invincible. Yeah. You know, your heart is woodpecker lips. Yeah. Yeah. That that was the old saying, you know, Mm -hmm. heart is woodpecker lips. So we're going to go, we're going to go mess these guys up. That's it, man. Yeah. That's it. So there was never, you know, I think this day and age, yeah, it's more in your face. The war has been prolonged. There's been more death with it. You know, so many guys have died. Exactly. I,
1: I, I, I remember being in, uh, Afghanistan mm-hmm. sitting in, in the special operations base there in a chow hall in 2014. I was eating chow and I was looking at the TV in the back mm-hmm. and it had a scroll of all the guys who had died. And And as I was eating, I was looking, I was like, Oh, I know him. I was on the yep. Q course with him. And then I put my head down, I'm eating cereal and I look, I go, Oh shit. I know him. I was there when he died. I put him in the yeah. helicopter and then I'm like, Oh, I know him as well. And I just, as it scrolled, it made me realize how many guys I've yeah. known who have died. So I think it's more real now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe it's that you, I, I don't even know if you guys did this, but you know, before you go, you do your will, you take a picture that they use when you die and
2: none not, of that, yeah. not You got to think back then, it, literally we blew out. So the DRF, you know, the division ready force, yeah. that thing was in cycle. Yeah. Literally from flash to bang, we got pulled from the field. Mm-hmm. And within five days later, I'm sitting on top of a C5 with, you know, a bunch of Sheridans down below flying over to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And ooh, I was lucky to get, you know, a few desert items. You know, we got the chocolate chips, I think a uh, uh, a ruck cover. Um, but we still had the same old leather jungle boots and all that stuff. And it's yeah. like pack your stuff and go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then nine one one force, man. Eighty second. Yeah, yep. That's it. Yep. Um so how long how long did they- Desert Storm, like I've talked to other guys, obviously I wasn't there, but I was in Lebanon when Desert Storm Mm -hmm. was going on, believe it or not. The first time I ever seen NBC gear, they give it to us there because they were afraid that they'd shoot chemicals into Mm -hmm. Israel and blow across, right? So I was like, I ain't wearing this crap, you know, but um, so once it launched and the invasion within, um, you're probably done within a very short time. And then did they leave you in place for a long time or did they pull you out?
2: We were... And again, this is where the journal would be critical to know how long. Uh, So we stayed in Talil for a while. And pretty much what they did was they gave us a sector and was like, hey, go try to figure out whatever equipment is there and destroy it. Mm -hmm. So you find out things like, hey, on a, a ZPU 23 that the triggers on the floor, you know, it's got a foot pedal trigger, you know? And all of a sudden, you know, hey, what's this thing? Somebody hits the button, pop,
5: pop, pop, Oh, what <laughs> the
2: hell? Yeah. yeah, But yeah, we were just out there destroying everything. So pretty much we were all out of explosives, all like grenades. Um, I remember we ended up torching, I think it was like a combo trailer via a pack of uh, MRE matches, burning a mattress that was in there. And we were just annotating, mm. hey, here's your laundry list of the stuff we blew up. Um, Oh, by the way, I am two away from getting my ace. I don't know if the birds have to be flying, but yeah, destroyed a couple of megs in there as well. So yeah. that's kind of like the big claim to fame. You yeah, know, yeah. Two away from an ace.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, pretty cool experience for a young soldier, right? Oh, it, yeah. it was it
0: was great. One hundred percent it was. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Kevin with Fieldcraft. Just want to interrupt this podcast to recognize one of our sponsors, and that is Element. LMNT. Their website is drinkLMNT.com forward slash fieldcraft. Actually, that's our special link. If you use that special link, drinkLMNT.com forward slash fieldcraft, you are going to get a free sample pack. And all you have to do is just pay shipping. Now, Element is a really, really interesting uh, electrolyte replacement. Um, something i'll say about it is that we're not the only ones that like it here at fieldcraft i mean it's a great electrolyte replacement um folks have been using this for a while um fbi sniper teams the marines um olympic teams navy seals so we're jumping on the element bandwagon because it's good stuff um a lot of us over here at fieldcraft like it and uh i'll tell you that all you got to do for this is just pay shipping, right? Pay shipping. You can get a chance to try a whole bunch of it. Chances are you're going to probably probably get some. Um, what's really cool is if you guys are like on the keto diet it or if you're just starting the keto diet, you normally get the, like this crazy headache. This actually helps kind of alleviate that. And it's a great way to keep you from being groggy throughout the day and keep you hydrated throughout the day. So uh, the sample pack that you're going to get, if you just go to drinkelement.com forward slash fieldcraft will include eight packets of assorted flavors. And like I said, you're gonna find one that you're gonna really like and you're gonna buy some, guaranteed. So please check them out and I think you guys are gonna be satisfied. All right, back to the podcast.
1: Do you remember how long you spent on the ground
0: before you came back?
2: Yeah, so we got over there, Um, I think I got on the ground 8 August, if I recollect correctly, and I left back for the States 1 April, 91.
1: Okay. That's so, a pretty. That's a pretty good chunk yeah. because I've known other guys who were there and they they went in, they did their thing, and they pulled them right out and yeah. sent them back. You know, yeah, we were
2: yeah we were pretty much there for the duration, and you were living in living tough, right? Oh yeah, it, I mean we went seventy seven days without getting a physical shower. Okay, so we took. I remember they had the um, the field shower unit set up. You know, one right before we crossed over the border, mm-hmm. crossed over and didn't see a real shower until I got back to Cobalt Towers. Yeah,
1: and and there's people who would criticize the military for that, but you go to like Rommel said, you it, go to war with the army you have, yep, and you suck it up, right? And you suck it up, and you accomplish your mission, mm-hmm. and uh, like you don't go. You, there's very few places anywhere it goes now. We don't have internet, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. That's great that you have that support package, but it shouldn't be the default expectation. Like you no. go and you suck it up and you do your job. Yeah, you, you do your job and yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah um so once you came back
5: mm-hmm.
2: did you ever think about getting out or were you like i'm I'm a soldier for life no so here's here's the funny thing so when i got back you got to think everything was shut down at that point yeah so
1: you know uh, businesses went out of business in Fayetteville, well, north carolina because all the
2: soldiers were gone right yeah. but i'm not even getting so much to the local businesses it, when i say everything was out of business You got to think. Pre Ranger was shut down. Mm -hmm. Ranger school was still. I think they might have had a pause. I'm not sure if they were full going or not. But they said, "Hey, uh, does anybody want to go to Ranger school? Oh, by the way, there's no pre Ranger." Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, sign this guy up."
4: Yeah, I said, "No suffering before the suffering. Good time to go. Exactly.
2: Yeah." I'm like, "I'm in." (laughs) So yeah, um, at no point it wasn't like that experience. You know, all of a sudden I'm like, "Man, I'm, I'm getting out." Nope. It's like, "All right, hey, what's the." the next thing because again at the end of the day special forces was the ultimate goal mm. because you got to think when you come to fort bragg especially in the the late 80s you got to think there was three different special forces groups here yeah fifth group was still here
4: oh wow yeah seventh Seven group was gr- here third group yeah third group was yeah. coming on
2: board so there was a lot of you know special operations influence going on yeah and yeah. As, a, as a young paratrooper yep. having to do some stupid stuff <laughs> and then you go hey man how come these guys are out in the range wearing no Kevlars? Yeah. Hey man, how come they don't have high and tights? Who, who are these guys? I want some of that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was one of those. I knew. I knew I wanted to do that before coming in, mm. but it just solidified that much more. Right. Yeah. And and in my mind, <laughs> hey, come back from Desert Storm. All right, let's get Ranger School knocked out. Cool. And then you know, shortly after getting Ranger School done, um, then went off to SFAS.
1: Yeah, there was a minimum requirement right back. Or it was two years or whatever it was, or was there? I can't remember.
5: That, I, I yeah. think
2: I think there was, yeah. and and again, I don't recollect what it was. I think there was a rank, um, a rank requirement. Oh, yeah, if yeah. I recollect, and I think there was an age requirement. Mm-hmm. So it had to be. Um, it couldn't have been twenty two. Well, no, it might have been. I don't know why. So I'm sure
1: I, it was rank because there's no there's no e fours in SF, right? No. They're e five yeah. and above. When you uh, when you went to selection? Mm-hmm. I was jump forward a little bit cuz you sure. worked the selection later on. Yep. How much had it changed? Or was it generally the same? 180 out. Really? Yeah. Wow. One. was it better?
2: Or was it which one? The later one was it better? Was it or was the the early one better? Because I'm going to say I'm going to say the early one was better. Really? And here's why. Yeah. Uh when you look at it, so at that point they had I believe they used the uh the SASR their selection process, which is very team orientated, mm-hmm. and brought that mm. um, to SF. The team events that we did were very much team events. That was the so when you look at SFAS, I'm going to say back in the 90s, LandNav really they didn't care about it. Really, they cared about miles on your feet. You walked the roads. Yeah, they knew exactly how many. So they called it orienteering. Yeah, but it was basically hey, you're still going to Hoffman. Yeah, but I'm basically going from. Four-wire road, interse- or three and 4 Y road intersection, I'm going down to, you know, the Hoffman's kid's school or yeah. whatever that little, you know, mm-hmm. uh, prison out there. Then I'm going from there and I'm going up over to Puppy Palace or I'm going wherever. So they were putting miles on your feet.
4: Yeah.
2: And that was just kind of to break guys down. Okay. And then really where the money came in, in my opinion, was that team week. Um, Is that
1: because of the mission SF have? Because you've been to other things later on where mm-hmm. it's not team oriented. Mm-hmm. It's individual oriented, yep. right? And uh, do you think that the team dynamic in selection assesses a guy better for the job? Yes. He's about, okay. One, 100%. That's
2: interesting. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because if you can operate, because let's think about it. You don't realize what's going on when you're being assessed. Yeah. Now when you're an assessor, you kind of understand the rhyme and reason. Yeah. Because initially, we didn't have a good team week, and that wasn't even really going. It slowly started trickling in. Mm -hmm. But when you look at SF and the dynamics, you want a guy that's a a full team player. Mm. There's a time when you got to step up and be the chief. There's a time you got to sit back and just be one of the Indians. There's time to give input. There's time not to. Mm -hmm. And you really see that, especially when you're trying to build these contraptions. Mm. All right, cool. You have a one wheeled trailer. How are you going to get this thing from point A to point B? Yeah. Um, How are you going to haul these ammo cans? Who's working? Who's not? Push the Jeep, you know, carry the sand babies. All those things drive that whole... Team factor home. Right. And then, oh, by the way, there's little things that happen to you along the way that even just how do you assess, I don't want to say failure, but how do you accept uh how do you assess somebody for like the unknown? Yeah. So I will say this. When we were doing sand babies, there was a guy there from first group. And if I butcher his name, I'm sorry, but he was like Sarn Pop Tupinos, little short, either Vietnamese, Filipino, little mm-hmm. oriental guy, but he had the smallest hands. Mm-hmm. And I think the rule was, hey, no more, you know, you couldn't have more than a handful of tail sticking out of that sandbag. Explain the sandbabies. So the sandbabies were just basically carrying, they, they were just sandbags filled up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. And you had to fill the bag. It wasn't like just throw a little bit of sand. It had to be filled all the way to the top where when you grab the top of the sandbag, once it's tied off, there's no more than a hand mm-hmm. excess on that tail. Okay. So you look at your average person... Fairly big hands, yeah. right? Now you look at, you know, Sarum Papa Dude knows he's got small Oriental guy. I mean, if he was five something, he was yeah. like little short dude, little short hands. Yeah. And that first run, because you're going to go all in, right? Some guys are carrying two bags. Some guys are carrying three. You get there. He's the checker. Boom, 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 boom. Nope, nope, nope. And it wasn't like you could dump the sand there. Oh, no. Haul the bags back, mm. then dump them, then refill them to the proper size, knowing hey, we've got to make this thing half of our hand size yeah. because he's the checker.
4: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's
2: just one of those, the guys freak out. Did they, you know, throw hisies? You just deal with it. All right, yeah. cool. Hey. So you, as an assessor later on mm-hmm. during team stuff, are you
1: mm-hmm. looking at leadership when the guy is put in charge or are you just looking at the look, team dynamic? You're looking at everybody.
4: Yeah. So
2: you're, so you're assessing this team yeah. and you're going, yep, hey, roster number, so-and-so, you're the TL. And all right, hey, can he take charge? Yeah. Is he so overwhelmed that he can't build a contraption? Is he um, being muscled out of the way because somebody else is taken charge? Mm-hmm. You know, so you're looking at the whole team. Yes, it's, there's a certain guy in charge, but again, they all got their roster numbers on there. Mm-hmm. And I go, yep, one, two, three, he's a jerk because, you know, he's not letting this guy do the thing or he's trying to lead the show or he's just sitting back, not doing nothing. So, yeah. you, so you take that uh, mm-hmm. You take everybody into account and in what they're doing. Mm, that's
1: cool, man. Okay, so you go to selection and you get picked up, obviously. Um, First time go, freaking, mm-hmm. you go back to
2: 82nd, I assume, and <sighs> you get orders. Yeah. Was, well, it, was
1: it frowned upon when you went to selection?
2: 100%. Uh, yeah. So, so let's set some things in context. That yeah. was a very rough year for me. So you got to think back in the 90s, we had a year wait. From completing SFAS Ooh. to go to the Q course. Wow. Oh yeah.
1: Was that because of the pipeline? Was that because it was like a standard thing for some others it, to
2: that not screw your unit and leave too quickly No, or it now? was just that's at that time the numbers weren't being pushed. So you gotta think back then, I think, you know, maybe three, three fifty, you know, graduates per year were getting through the Q course. Mm-hmm. So it they weren't sized yeah. to the numbers. Now. So yeah. you're like, okay, cool. I've got to wait a year yeah. to go to the course. Yeah. I should probably know this, but did SF have a tab at that point? Yes. They did.
1: They okay. did have a tab. Yeah. That we, was a huge fight too. Some, I think my G chief in uh, Robin Sage, old school SF guy, yeah. awesome dude, but he 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 was telling us that uh, the army did not like that word special Yeah, and that was a huge fight to get that tab. It,
2: yeah, it, You're going to bring up so much stuff on that part there. Let, let me hit the... Let me hit the uh, the year of purgatory, and then we'll get into okay, yeah, some, yeah, some yeah, SF, yeah. SF nuances. So yeah, you know, you got to think at that point, still in the eighty second, but I'm a ship jumper, right? Yep. So graduate SFAS, get a Q core state. <laughs> I'm the only guy in my battalion to have the jump master precard. They will not send me. Mm. Why? It's like you're leaving. I'm still staying in the yeah, Army, man. I know, I he, hate he, that. You know? and, and
1: you've probably come across that a bunch of times in your career. And I've seen that too. Yeah. Like, oh no, we want it for us, you yeah. know? But you've, I, got, yeah.
2: you've got nobody qualified and they would not send me to Jumpmaster School yeah. because I was leaving. Yeah. They wouldn't send me to any schools because yeah. I could look at the company OML list. I knew exactly where I sit because all these black lines, that was me. Yeah. So yeah. in essence, I just, I hung out for a year, Yeah. shunned because oh, you're ship jumping. I'm like- I'm gonna get better. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Was, was there a, an option? And I've never done this, and but I've
2: heard of it. it used to be where you could go o, uh, OJT with group while you're waiting. So I try to bamboozle that, and I forget again. If yeah. I had my journal looking back, I did try to do that because mm-hmm. you got to think I had you know three groups here at the time. Yeah, trying to work something, um, and I think if I recollect, they just didn't want to. It was one of those where you were unproven. Yeah, you passed election, but, mm-hmm. you know, you weren't qualified. What were you really going to do? Yeah. Hang out at the CQD? I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, I don't recollect. I know somebody had mentioned that. I tried it, but I don't know why that yeah. didn't come to you fruition. You just didn't
1: talk to the right guy. Probably yeah, it, that That's usually what happens, right? Yeah. You talk to the right guy, the right star, company, the major. but like, mm-hmm. hell yeah, come on
2: over, man. Yeah. We, we, we'll, we'll give you a leg up. But yeah, yeah it's all, a lot of it's personality yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of do that. But getting back to your other point, you know, this whole SF things, let's just call it, right? So you got to think there was a time and place that the Green Beret was organizational headgear.
1: Yes, I remember. I I, I lived in Ireland at the time and mm -hmm. I remember reading an article where some Vietnam veteran was writing, he was like, you know, back in my day, if you saw a Green Beret, that guy was a pipe hitter, blah, 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 blah. And
2: then they gave it to everybody in the unit, yeah. So what you wound up happening is you want to know who all your tab guys are, who's wearing the PCs. Because it got to a point why, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I earned it. You're giving it to them. We'll just wear PCs. And yeah. then, then you started seeing a shift because I think the command was like, hey, man, the guys that earned it aren't wearing it.
4: Yeah. So yeah. We, we
2: need to do something. But it's in- not special anymore. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about your Vietnam vet there wanting to get his SF tab, you know, in, in the fight for yeah. that. Yeah. Well, here's a better one. So you got to think those of us that were already qualified, now they come out with the Yarborough knife. Yeah. For all the new guys. Yes. Yeah. Didn't. I got one. Yeah. I, I don't. Okay.
1: <laughs> so again, it's, it's a little yeah. animosity point, you know? They don't give it anymore now. I think they're running out of money.
2: I, I've heard they don't give it anymore. Okay. So uh,
1: there was a, there was a, uh, I didn't ask for it, just gave it to me at no, the end of it, the Q it, course, right? Right. So, but but yeah. it was
2: it was one of those contentions, right? Yeah. Because you'd have guys show up that have this cool knife and yeah. you're like, hey, rookie, <laughs> you, ha- you haven't done nothing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Where's mine? Mm-hmm.
2: So, oh, by the way, if I want to get mine, I got to go down there now. I got to give him my tab orders and my whatever else and this and that. It, and it was just a hassle. Yeah. It so it just kind of got a little aggravated. It was like a point of contention. Mm-hmm. That oh you get yours. Yeah. New guy. Yeah.
4: It's but not his fault. It, it's it, not. He, it, he, he, yeah. It's not. But yeah. it was
2: just. It was the principle of. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, that's funny. It has evolved so much. And, and I remember hearing about that headgear thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know how long it was in place. But, yeah, if – if and and you're talking about not just the Green Berets that are qualified because we're an Army unit and mm. you have probably three to one support people for every Green Beret, right? And um, so you just get orders as a cook, as a as a clerk, as a freaking maintenance guy, as a driver, and you just go to an Army yep. unit, which is 3rd Special Forces, seven Special Forces. And when you get there, oh, here's your headgear. It's a Green Beret, right? I'm yep. like, oh, I'm a Green Beret. Well, you're not. But, yeah, anyway. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that is funny.
2: Were you there when that was, mm-hmm. do, you, and do you remember how long it was in place or? I, I want to say for a couple of years, because then at some point they transitioned to where, if you want to say all the non-qualified, they went to the maroon brae. Yeah. So yeah. there was something, it, because again, basically guys weren't, hey, you need to wear your beret. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's an, you know, you have an organizational headgear. I'm not. Yeah. Because then you would see, um, and again, I'm not bashing on my support guys, but at the time you'd see all like these green berets and people's dashboards. Mm -hmm. And you're like, really guy? Yeah. I know you.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, and it's funny how it it almost repeated later
1: on when they gave the black beret to the whole mm-hmm. U.S. army. Yep, and which was the headgear of the ranger regiment, right? Yep. And the ranger got pissed and blah blah blah, and then they end up getting, getting the sand SAS color, which mm-hmm. I think is a better looking beret. But yeah. the, the, the mindset was, well, if you give berets to everybody, they'll all be better soldiers. What a ridiculous thing! It, I saw, I saw, probably in two thousand, because I went to Bino, infantry bainak mm-hmm. in two thousand. And so that's my my frame of reference. And that was all coming out. And I remember seeing Saturday Night Live where they were like reading the news. And, uh, you know, she was like, oh, there's contention over the army getting the Black Beret. And, you know, the the Ranger Regiment are going to get this maroon or this... uh, tan beret, and is going to have a maroon beret, and mm-hmm. the green berets will keep their ber- beret. And then she was like, on a related note, these guys need a war. <laughs> and it was so yeah. right, because that's that's freaking peacetime Army 100%. BS, you know? Yep. And what happens is, these guys come in and they have to make change, because change equates to an OER bullet, mm-hmm. and now I've done something good, bad, or different. Yeah. Don't get me started, and Switch's no. a big monster for that too, yeah. but...
2: Um, but, but the beret is a worthless piece of headgear. It, 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 really it, it is. It really is. I
1: it it's like a wet sock on your head man, in the humidity in North Carolina. It's hot know? in the
0: summertime. It doesn't yeah. keep the sun out of your eyes. You can't
1: put it on one hand when you're carrying stuff. You got to no. put everything down, put it on, shape Fix it. it. Yep. I, I think it should be the headgear for dress uniform sure. yeah. you know yeah and then everything else i don't even think we should have headgear i think it should be optional hey. you can going out headgear if you want i mean hey. I, I don't you have to have a hat in your head when yeah. you're outside and oh god like now that i'm out i have all the answers obviously oh, but we always do <laughs> yeah 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 um it, it, it it's funny to, to you get so indoctrinated in just the way things are mm-hmm. that uh and there's guys take that. There's NCOs in the army that will be driving home and see somebody with a hat on the wrong way, and yeah. they will stop and get out and chew them out. And I'm, I never had the energy for that. No. I did not. Nope. You know. Yeah, not really a big enforcer of fashion. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway, sorry,
2: we nope. went down a side road there, but yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So then from there, you know, go over to Seventh uh, Group, which, again, was right here in Fort Bragg. Yeah. So if you look at the concurring story, never left Fort Bragg.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, You know, got to my first team. And again, you got to think. So I don't think at that point we might have had some Vietnam vets in the company, but I know for like my team, not you got to think Seventh Group. Um, South America, know, man. Exactly. Yeah. El, yeah. El Salvador. Mm-hmm. You know, El Salvador going on. A lot of stuff down there. Did you have to go to language school? So I did. Yeah. So here's the thing. I tried to set myself up for success prior to, I knew I wanted to go to seventh As group, you should. Yes. As you should. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a Spanish DLPT qualification. Mm-hmm. Was it the strongest? Nope. But here's the beauty. It paid out for me because yes, they still sent me to language school, but they sent me to Portuguese.
4: Okay. Yeah.
2: Which worked out great because, you know, go to a team that, you know, is also Portuguese speakers, mm-hmm. get a trip, you know, down to Brazil out of it. Nice. So there was only- one team like that per uh, battalion, so that was a a definite yeah. pro and go work with those yeah. guys
1: I, I I think you know. I, I try not to bash SF, and I don't. I'm just getting facts. But, you know, we push the language thing, the language thing, the mm-hmm. language thing. Seven groups, really the only group yeah. who actually, can because a lot of them are Hispanic, a lot of them have Hispanic wives, they mm-hmm. practice, they're really good at it, they go down there a lot. Mm-hmm. They can actually communicate and teach in Spanish and, and all oh. that kind of thing. Where where if you learn Mandarin Chinese
2: yeah. for six months, that's yeah.
1: tough, man. No, it, yeah.
2: And seventh group, like you said, and, and probably third as well, which, you know, French in Africa. Yeah, um, yeah. Granted, they've got some Portuguese as well and I think a couple of yeah. languages. But I come
1: out of language school with French for the mm-hmm. third group with a two plus, two plus, yeah. like really like
2: right there, almost yeah. fluent.
1: And then went to Iraq and Afghanistan for years and never and used it no. once. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. But no, seventh group, you know, on that, that's the beauty. There is no translators. You know, language is pushed hard as, mm-hmm. it, as it should be because yes. you're- you're pretty much doing everything yourself.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, That's your advertised capability, right? That's what makes you special. Sure. Um, and it, it's so good for building rapport with a partner force. 100%. If you can speak their language, yep. man. It, it's it's just a night and day difference. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and I think those guys have almost, because it would be funny, they've almost gotten used to it. Because you would speak Spanish to them, and those that knew English would speak English yeah. back
1: to you. They so want to they're practice. They're yeah. trying to improve their language yeah. skills. You know, yeah. you're trying to
2: improve yours. So yeah.
1: yeah, even in Iraq, like I, I don't speak Arabic, but I speak enough. I call it combat Arabic, mm-hmm. right? I can count one to ten. I can say, get in that vehicle. I can say, last man, cover mm-hmm. here or shoot that way. I can speak enough to get by. But even that's enough to build rapport uh, with sure. guys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So seventh group, and and. Uh, uh, c37 was in uh Panama Panama. At the time still yep. right so um I, I what was the what was the mindset of we're talking like mid 90s now mm-hmm. yeah what was the mindset of SF back then um because you were still very your equipment was still very regular Army right oh yeah you had a couple of little pieces
3: mm-hmm.
1: um that were kind of special but it was nothing like like the soft equipment we have now is sure. complete like a whole programs right and but back then you had a carbine you had an M4 Mm-mm.
2: oh M16 oh, M4s, M- M4s had not no yeah
1: they didn't come in until like
2: 2000 or something Yeah no, right? it was we got them in group earlier yeah but yeah. when i first got to group yeah it was still yeah M16A2 yeah the infantry i did, i didn't go to SF till
1: 2002 but um in the infantry i remember we got them in germany in 2000ish kind of time frame yeah yeah so we got them <sighs>
2: And again, this is where the journal would be key. But I want to mm-hmm. say probably, I think it was 97-ish. Yeah. If, yeah. if I, and don't yeah. hold me to the date, but yeah. you got to think the SIFs, they had, you know, their car 15s or their M4s
4: yeah.
2: Uh, beforehand. Yeah. Um, but it didn't get to group. It was a little bit later. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I went on J sets with M16A2s. Yeah. The, uh,
1: uh, did you do a lot of jungle training? mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I never been, I, I think I've been in jungle once, but- not not with military, but never been in the jungle, never operated in a jungle. Hope to never be in the jungle. <laughs>
2: Here, here's the thing: if you know how to live there, yeah. it's a great place. Yeah, I guess. So, so part of it was, yeah, we go down there and teach, but then at the same token, we're having host nation teach us as well. Yeah. So each jungle is a little bit, or at least I won't say jungle, but each area is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So hey, the Ecuadorian guys, all right, man, here's here's your edible plants. Here's this, you know, here's a water vine. Here's how you know you procure food this way
5: Mm.
2: here's certain things that work here this plant does this this one does that so it was cool in that aspect getting those those classes from them now Mm. some of the things okay hey eat this plant here and it'll cure cancer all right dude if that was the case (laughs) (laughs) you you had to give them a little bit going yeah
4: yeah gotcha but if you want
2: to run with that that's fine but no, um, I, I mean, the jungle will provide, it can be, like I said, two ways. It'll yeah. provide everything, it'll sit there and probably some of the most harsh conditions around.
4: Yeah, it, it'll uh,
1: destroy you, especially at night, right? Whenever oh, yeah. everything comes alive. Oh, and yeah. I, I yeah, imagine if you know what to eat, there's an abundance of food there, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll never you'll never starve. How was, um, did you feel when you got through the Q course as mm-hmm. it was at that time, um, you didn't have to go to her back then, right? Nope. It was voluntary, right? Um, But as you got through the Q course and you deployed as a young soldier, Mm -hmm. with some experience already, Mm -hmm. right? Not like you were an X-ray. Did you feel when you went in there, you had the tools it took to do your job? You felt like you were trained and you knew what you were doing? Or did you find like, oh, God, I'm lacking, and it
2: took a couple of years to build up the experience or? No, I felt felt pretty good. The one thing looking back that I wish, um, especially on the Bravo side, would have done more wish they would have done more on the marksmanship side. Right. It wasn't, it was more, hey, here's the weapons. Here's how to take them apart. A little bit on on shooting stuff, but it wasn't, you know, because you got to think I'm teaching guys how to do this skill set. Yeah. So to me, it would have been now that's when you have to start, you know, looking at your mentors. This is where you got to start learning. Hey, how am I teaching these guys? Mm. So how do you teach a guy? And we learned this um, down there. You got to think basically third world country. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's got perfect 2020 vision. Yeah. Oh, by the way, these guys don't have corrective lenses. How are you working with a the guy they can't see his front side post? Yeah. Can't see the target. Yeah. You know, so you gotta now you gotta start going, all right, buddy. How do we work with you? How do we make you try to be as best as you can with mm-hmm. your physical abilities?
1: Yeah. Um and build his confidence and all yeah. that. It's funny, you just triggered a memory. I remember seeing a uh uh, documentary on TV about uh, Green Berets in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, okay, you got all these mountain yards, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you how to read a map. And they put it down and they're like, oh no, that's not right. The world is 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 flat. You'll yeah. fall off the edge, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. and I think there's something there in the Q course and Robin Sage where they, you, you would think like Fade or, or JSets and stuff like that, anybody can do it, but there's something to do on the Q course. And I think Robin Sage where they, they teach you kind of that, how important rapport is, right? Mm-hmm. And how important not talking down to people and kind of being part of the team and building that that, yep. that teamwork and all that. And I've seen other special ops try to do that and just mm-hmm. mess it up because cult- I, I think it's cultural awareness, a big one, right? Like there's different cultures. You have to approach things differently. Sure. Like I, I tell you, I did a ton of stuff in the Middle East, as did mm-hmm. you. You can't talk down to people. You can't negative reinforce people. They yeah. don't really respond to, especially officers, you know, you gotta yeah. kinda of build them in and build them up and mm-hmm. positive reinforcement and build their confidence. And uh I, I've just seen other units and you probably have two who just don't get it, man. Yeah. I'm like, you can't talk to them like that, you know? And I, I imagine um South America and that area mm-hmm. you worked in, you you find different ways to kind of attack problem sets sure. down
2: there and, and kind of help people out, right? And, and get them on your side. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I'll give you a prime example. So, my first J set, we're going down to Costa Rica. Now, you got to understand, Costa Rica does not have a military. It's all a police force, but it falls under that mm-hmm. um, national protection. So, knowing this, you know, PDS goes down, sees what's going on. Okay, how are we instantaneously going to build some rapport? Well, these guys don't have a set uniform. So we're just going to get some old BDU pants. And oh, by the way, classic SFAS fashion. We're going to sit there, you know, put the uh, the engineer tape on there. There's your roster number. Mm-hmm. Boom. So now I'm not trying to remember everybody. Hey, I know your roster number, roster number. And it just transitioned over. But the simple act of me giving these guys a pair of pants. Yeah. Even if they didn't fit the best, mm-hmm. they were happy. Huge. Because I got guys out there, you know, doing the PT test running flip-flops. I got some guys barefoot. I got some guys, their tennis shoes are held together with duct tape. Yeah. But a simple act of merely going, hey, bud, here you go. Yeah. And I mean, these guys were so bad off that yeah, we're eating in their chow hall. The meal was rice and beans. Yep. At least for lunch. Well, dinner, it might've been beans and rice. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, breakfast. Yeah. You got to get a version of the beans and rice, rice and beans. Yeah. But that, that's all they had. But I mean, you, s-
1: you sat there and ate with them? 100%. You, you didn't go to the American area and there, eat American there was no, food? There was no... Or, no. or even the, like, I, I, the reason I say that, I did a thing and uh, we brought an, a, an Iraqi special ops unit out to a training area back that way outside mm-hmm. because there were, they were uh, it wasn't the Iraqi counter-terrorist force. It was a police unit, but... They needed a lot of work on CQB and shooting and, you know, vehicle drills and, and React Ambush and all those things. So we, yeah. we were like, okay, let's bring them out there. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big, very well-facilitated training area. And we had some other units for sister services that came with us mm-hmm. as trainers. And uh, there was a bunch of us. There was like, Mike Glover was with us. Uh, the uh, I think we had like five or six GBs, right? Mm-hmm. And we went out there and they... They had American contract company running the ranges and the tower and all that, but it was an Iraqi base. Sure. So the Iraqis ran the chow hall and all that, right? Mm -hmm. So when we were out there, we go to chow with our Iraqis, right? Because that's huge. And uh, the guy running the chow hall was stealing all the food, right? So the rations were garbage. Like you get a little thing of chopped up tomatoes and like a piece of meat that I don't even know what it was, Mm -hmm. right? But this other unit that were with us as army guys, they all went and ate in the American contractor chow hall. Mm -hmm. And we sat and we ate that garbage every day. But those guys going to that American chow hall, catastrophic loss of rapport. Sure. They didn't want anything to do with them. How can you push guys in training if you're not eating the same food they are? You just don't know where they're at, right? No. But the fact that we sat there and ate that crap and went to the bathroom for like an hour or two hours afterwards and sucked it up uh, was huge to these guys. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they didn't they didn't want anything to do with those no. guys. They wouldn't talk to them. They wouldn't respond to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, But that's what I'm saying. There's something in the Q course that teaches you that this is the right thing to do, sure. you know? And yeah. You have to
2: do it. 100% you Yeah. do.
1: Yeah, but,
2: but, yeah. But it's funny because then you start seeing host nation reciprocate, right? Yeah. So again, going back to this Costa Rica trip, my first experience, all right, sitting there breaking bread with these guys. Well, at some point we had a highlight. We, we got some soup. Yeah. And of course- as we go through, okay, Snuffy in front of me is getting whatever broth soup. And then all of a sudden I get mine, boom, big old chicken foot in there. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Come to find out by you getting the chicken foot, whoa, that's a big deal to them. Yeah, That's going, hey man. And then it was one of these, so, all right, cool. I got my chicken foot soup. I'm really not gonna suck on this chicken foot or use yeah. the talons to clean my teeth. So what do you do? One of the boys is there, hey man. How about you take this? Yeah, I'm, I'm full. Yeah, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Boom. So now some things that you don't want to eat, you just gave to them. They think they're high in the horse. Oh man, I got the chicken foot. Yeah. Boom. I yeah. mean, it just it just ramps that much more uh rapport building in there, and that's the part that guys don't get. It's yeah. it's if you set report these guys, they will follow you to hell and back. They'll, They'll listen do to anything. It, and it, if
1: it, if you don't, if you insult them and yell at them, you might get shot on target. I, it it know, has happened, sure, right? Sure. Um, so yeah, th- there's something about the way the Q course is done mm-hmm.
2: that uh, drives that home. Or maybe yeah. we just select guy. I, I I don't know what it is, well, but it, I've it, seen it, it's it multiple pro- times. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's a process of it, but it's also I boil it down to leadership, right? Yeah. Did I know to go eat with these guys in the Chow Hall? I mean, I think at the time that was the only place to eat. But teams aren't. Yep. Let's go. Yep. Non-negotiable. Yeah. That, that's it. Pick mm-hmm. up boys. Hey. What time are we going to chow? 12 o'clock or whatever, boom, pick up and go. Yeah. Or yeah. you're done training, you know, boom, where are we going to the chow hall? Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like we were with them 24-7 because yes, we were in that particular case, um, you know, we were segregated mm-hmm. geographically a little bit, nothing crazy, still in the same base, but hey, they were nice enough to stick us by the water. Okay, cool. These guys yeah. are up here uh, close to the chow hall. But yeah, it's, it's instant rapport. And that's the part that people don't get. Once you establish that rapport, man, Because what you see down the road, now people start telling you things like, hey, Cousin Miguel says that this, this, and this is going on. Mm -hmm. Oh, and now they're feeding you information that you're not soliciting. Yeah. That you in turn
0: pass up and.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Might save your life. Might save your life. Mm
0: -hmm. Hey guys, Kevin with Fieldcraft again. Another sponsor you should pay attention to, and that is Athletic Greens. Please go to this link, athleticgreens.com forward slash Fieldcraft, and you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D, as well as five free travel packs with your first purchase. Big fan of Athletic Greens. Um, Every time I travel, I have Athletic Greens travel packs with me. Every single morning starts with Athletic Greens. Um, When I started for Fieldcraft, it was towards the middle, towards the end of the first wave of the pandemic, and I packed on a whole bunch of weight. And, you know, I said to myself, I'm like, I'm going to drop this way. I'm going to get back to where I like to be my fighting weight and athletic greens were part of that journey. So every single day I started off with athletic greens and I did my thing and now I'm at my normal fighting rate, uh, weight, which is right around 200 pounds, 202 pounds. Uh, and I'm pretty happy with that. I never feel like I am going without my greens because I drink them first thing in the morning. Um, you'll receive, if you purchase this on the site, a mixer bottle. Your athletic greens and your your vitamin D. Personally, you can decide how much water you want to put in that bottle. I'll go between eight to ten ounces because I don't want to drink a lot of you know water to get my greens. I'll drink actual water, um, but I just drink it down real fast. It makes it easier to uh, you know get to work and all that stuff and get on my day. So, guys, I like athletic greens. I think you will too. Um, it doesn't have any weird like strange. You know, wheatgrass flavor or anything like that. It's actually pretty pleasant um, and it's not that that terrible to, to drink down. I actually enjoy it. So please check them out, www.athleticgreens.com forward slash fieldcraft. Get yourself that free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you make your first purchase. All right, back to the podcast.
1: Were you guys deploying a lot back then in the nineties? Like was that a regular rotation to South
2: America? That oh, yeah. that type of thing? Yeah, you, we, it was, we had right? Yeah. one hundred percent Yeah. So we had our, our J Sets in there and they were pretty much um. Mm-hmm. What's a JSET set up to do, just for people who don't know? So it's to train whatever host nation country we're working with. Yeah. So yeah, we would use um um, you know, fid for an internal defense, but it was mainly you know, under the counter-narcotics umbrella, because that was the big thing, Mm. you know, was trying to fight the war on drugs. Yeah. And of course, it came from a different pot of money. So, of course, anytime you got counter-narcotics money, it wasn't tapping in to the SF funds. So everyone always wanted to get that. Mm. Just so when you look at the whole budgetary, you know, restraints, constraints, whatever, you just Mm -hmm. had more money to do stuff that way.
1: Yeah. It's it's, it's funny, because I had this conversation before with somebody like... Uh, you, you know, you think of police officers, right? And everybody bashes cops because mm-hmm. they, they're not well trained in some cases, right? But they, they go through to their academy and then they, they go to work right? And they bust their ass and they have a very, very difficult job and, and they're heavily scrutinized. But like, it, it, I almost wish they had a model like SF, like you finish the Q course. Mm-hmm. That's not like you're done and you're a Green Beret. Nope. You're constantly training, even on deployments. Yeah. You're constantly training, constantly upgrading your skills, cross training with medics and Bravos and, mm-hmm. you know, weapons guys and all that. You never, ever, like we did training in combat when we weren't oh, yeah. on missions, you yeah. know? And I, I almost wish you people would take that template for cops and like
2: you do, you do three, three weeks of work, and then you take a week off and you're training, you know? But Kevin, it can be so much easier, right? Because this is what I tell the LEOs that I train. It's like, all right, guys, I got it. The department's not going to give you, you know, a training day, a paid day, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're telling me you can't take five minutes before your shift, Mm -hmm. clear your gun out, and do some dry fire training.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, I'm sorry, Mr. Supervisor of these guys. You can't take your guys, which, oh, by the way, you entrust to carry a firearm, 365 days a year Mm -hmm. have them safely clear clear their guns before shift or have you do roll call or however their department does business and you can't spend a couple minutes doing some training yeah come on man Mm. yeah you you know people look at the training thing too broad it's always like i've got to go to the range i've got to do this Mm -hmm. okay cool i can sit there spend a couple bucks get an airsoft system leave it in the department where guys can rotate in all the time and work on their skills yeah yeah i mean there's so many variables Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's like when I was a squad in of the infantry
1: in Germany, we we had a big batch of woods up behind mm-hmm. the company. We were out there every day yep. running drills and yep. crossing danger areas and doing ambushes yep. and all that with no bullets and no free.
2: No, you just worked free. In, exactly. Yep. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the problem is people think this day and age, uh, I think technology has kind of bit us a little bit
5: mm-hmm.
2: where everyone thinks I've got to go out and I've got to do this cool, sexy stuff and I've got to do this. Mm. Okay. Hey man, what are you doing to work your dry skills?
1: I, I guarantee- that you as a young guy, young Green Beret and seventh group at that point, you guys went in the woods of Fort Bragg and practiced breaking contact and patrolling oh, yeah. and moving you know, crossing danger areas and yep. all those fundamental
2: skills sure. that are so important. Yeah.
1: And that's generally what you teach Indige anyway, right? Those right. are very
2: basic yeah, infantry you, you're skills. You're teaching them, you know, and that's the part that people don't get. You're teaching them basic skills. Yep. That that sets your foundation, if you mm. want to say to do other things. Mm. But if you don't have a solid foundation, yeah. You know, the rest of it's going nowhere. Well, what you see sometimes
1: is you see instructors who don't want to teach basics because they're bored teaching it. So they ramp it up too quick, but the student is always at a base level, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're getting new students all the time. So well, I don't want to teach walking in a wedge, you know, you know because I've done it a hundred times. Oh, let's do CQB. You know yeah. what I mean? stop, stop it's new to him and mm-hmm. you need to start at a very, very basic fundamental level. Training philosophy is a very interesting subject. Yeah. And I, I think after years and years and years, um, you kind of learn it and, and, you know, maturity. Like we were talking earlier, when you're a young NCO in the army, mm-hmm. you think yelling and screaming is the way to go. Like yeah. that's how good instructors do it. But it, 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 there's a time and place for that, right? Sure. But there's also a time and place for, for teaching and mentoring and coaching and, and, and bringing people along and, and, and forcing, lead, you know, young soldiers to step up and be a leader and all that kind of thing, you know?
2: But see, I, I think I got spoiled, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Because yeah. you got to think I had a very short window yeah. Of conventional time. Yeah. And then after that was all, you know, special operations time. Mm-hmm. So you got to think um, back in the 90s, they had SOT, which was a four-week marksmanship CQB program.
4: Right. Like You know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So mm-hmm. similar to Safawic, which Safawic yep. did replace that because the schoolhouse couldn't, you know, cover that, but we'll get on that. Yeah. But that was like, if you want to say my indocta, you know, marksmanship. Yeah. Was that program? Yeah. Was there yelling, screaming, and hollering? Nope. You either performed. Yeah. Or you stepped away. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing personal. Don't need to holler at you. Yeah. But it's laying the foundation. Yes. Um, You know, so you take that, you know, teaching guys down south that, hey, man, is it going to behoove me to holler at these guys? Yeah, sometimes you got to, hey, hurry up, get over here. You got to motivate them in that mm-hmm. aspect. But when it comes time to teach them the skill set, I don't need to be hollering at them. Mm. Why am I going to add added stress to this guy that, oh, by the way, hey, man, what are you doing? You're not doing this. I can't see. Oh. <laughs> so so it was one of those the, ah, world,
4: the world is flat yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was one of those aha moments
2: cool man so as we're getting these guys in we start learning you know and this is where uh, experience pays now doc is during during a screening he's giving them a quick eye test mm. yep number three blonde is a bat yeah four can't see this mm-hmm. five can't do that mm-hmm. so it it's all that and I think that's the important thing is you have to learn you have to evolve and yeah. once people start doing that then it's easy. Then mm-hmm. you start getting into, you know, what your style is. But it, the only time if you want to say to holler is, hey man, hurry up, get over here. Yeah. Or get those targets pasted up. Yeah. But the yeah. skill set, let them be in and learn the yeah. skill.
1: When I, when I, f- finished selection in, in Ireland for special operations. I went back to my freaking infantry unit for a little while. And then I, I in-processed and started my Q course for once. It wasn't called that. But um, the first course I ever went to was methods of instruction. It was a course to teach you how to teach. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't our mission back then. To, not like SF, our job is to teach people, right? Um, we, we were a counter-terrorist unit. But for some reason, they they figured out, they, they, they thought that this was an important skill set to have. Mm-hmm. And in SF, you don't get that in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would not advocate for adding it because the, the freaking course is long enough, but uh, you don't get to go to an instructor training course until you become an instructor mm-hmm. at SWIC. And I don't know what your experience was at the instructor training course, but it was not it, good for me. It,
2: it, you know, here's the thing. At that point, it's a waste. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so you've got a guy that's been teaching who yeah. knows how many years. Some of us longer than others, because we were quote unquote hiding behind the rucksack, right? We didn't want to go to Swick. we didn't want to, you're hiding behind the rucksack, yeah. come on dude, give me a break. Yeah. But by then you've already got your, uh, your instruction method down. Yeah. So, okay. It's yeah. more of a check the box,
4: it, honestly. It, that's yeah. really all it is. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, cause you got to think they do do some of it, or at least we did when I was in language school, you would have to give a class in your target language. Mm-hmm back to the instructor so i mean you're working on that delivery and then obviously each other trip you know you're going there whether it's training you know u.s forces foreign forces team itself you're working on how to instruct Mm -hmm. so do you really get anything by going to the instructor course at SWIC? i didn't
1: (laughs) i I stopped the instructor one time and i was like how do I embed a video into a PowerPoint presentation? Yeah. And he didn't know. But yeah. he knew all this philosophy of, of yeah. training, and it was all so high, it was all garbage, honestly. It was not a good course. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a very practical course that you could run with, with but anyway. Um, yeah. Again, fix everything, right? No, Let, I, let's yeah. just fix it all, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you, how many times you, ha- how many years do you have on a team when you got that dreaded levy for Swick? Oh, um,
2: what did I do? Ninety-four to 02? Damn, that was a good stint. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to think, I got, I threw, a, I got a safety net thrown my way, because um, in the late '90s, when the Seaflooric program or the Special Forces Advanced Urban Combat Committee was yeah. was starting, mm-hmm. um, I got handpicked to go do that for Seventh Group.
1: So I heard when I came in group. I Heard great things about seven groups. Cephalic was like the gold standard yep. of cephalic. I and I, I, I don't know if that
2: I uh, it probably no. was true. I, I mean, I'm yeah. it, and I sound half arrogant saying it, but I'm gonna say yes, yes. okay, it, it was. Yep. And it was because, um, the group took it that serious. So, right. our our group commander at the time he picked our team sergeant and was like, You've got carte blanche, pick whoever you want within the group, yeah. And nobody messed with us. So, yeah. we had time, you know, we had a rough poi that swick had put out because talking earlier the sot program had gone away yeah because they couldn't handle it with the sephardic course and everything else just the schoolhouse was overwhelmed so it's like hey you guys are teachers why not teach yourself cool so we took a three week uh generic poi and jammed i mean all kinds of crazy stuff into it mm-hmm. so it didn't have combatants in they were we put combatants didn't have vehicle stuff we put vehicle stuff mm. uh urban stuff you know, barrier penetration. Was we
1: was there a specific trigger that prompted the commander to say, "We need to train urban"? Like, was it an issue? Was
2: it something nope. else? It, it was, was. It was that program. So you got to think the original SOT program. Yeah. Basically, two weeks of marksmanship, two weeks of CQB. Right. But where we took it, if you want to say the urban part to the next level, was again looking at seventh group specific because this was a group specific program, mm-hmm. and we'd had pinches with guys in the past. Mm. Hey, man. Um, you're in country X, civil unrest. You're stuck in the hotel. You know how are you going to get out of there? How are you going to defend here? So we we looked at some of our past incidences from a group wise and go, hey, how can we incorporate these in? Mm-hmm. So um, it, here's the part, right? We did not know, in essence, we were training for war, but we were right. So this is why I believe seventh group was second in the hopper to go to Afghanistan mm-hmm. because when fifth initially went they're like, hey man, language skill doesn't matter. Mm. At that point, I can't recollect if we had already transitioned to, cause you gotta think, we got the entire group trained, I think within 18 months. So we went from Safawak one, for lack of better terms, to Safawak two, which now we're working on uh, company level operations. So how to have an SF company mm-hmm. work together versus just a team. Mm. I think that's what drove second battalion to get over to Afghanistan so quick. Was because, again, if you're looking at capability, hey, man, I've got SF companies that can operate as a company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that's what solidified me in kind of Warhog Tactical was back in 2002. Because you to think, I trained all these guys. The first group of guys that came back from Afghanistan said, hey, man, that stuff you taught me saved my life. Mm. That's what set the hook for Warhog Tactical. Mm. So I knew back then that I was going to get into the training business when I got out. Obviously, it would be many years down the road. Right. yeah. Uh, but but a lot of people go, well, man, you just got into the training world because you retired and that was the thing to do. It's like, mm-hmm. nope. You know, this was set well beforehand.
3: Do you
1: get... Um, like, do, do you get that uh, satisfaction, obviously, from... Uh, transferring that knowledge that took years and years and years to somebody who needs it right now like police officers or i know you do a lot of dog stuff too we'll Mm -hmm. get into that later but you're transferring you're transferring that knowledge base to them and the light just goes off and they're like there's something very satisfactory about that sure um that i like teaching i like doing that Mm -hmm. i I like to be able to um you know give back that knowledge I, i ran a ballistics class yesterday and I had four 18 bravos who just finished the course in yeah. there, right? I did 18 alpha. I had earned a land nav class on Saturday. I had probably 15, 18 x-rays mm-hmm. that, that were like, oh my God, you know? So I, I, I find it very kind it, of fulfilling to, yeah. to transfer that knowledge. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. I think it and, gets the hook in you, right? And it obviously happened there in Safawak mm-hmm. for you and you're like, I, I like this, right? Yeah.
4: yeah.
2: But there that's a, it's a common thing if you look at a lot of us, right? So, yeah. whether it's me, you, Mike. You know, it's about giving back. Yeah, it's about how can we pass our knowledge mm-hmm. onto the next generation. Yes, yeah. and like I say, for my especially my LE guys and even my civilian guys, I, I tell them this. I said, I hope you have you never have to use this, us. mm-hmm. but God forbid you do. Yeah, you've got a skill set. Yeah, and here's been the thing: I've had LEOS reach out saying, "Hey, man." Yeah, I got into a gunfight last night, and fully believe I'm here because of you know what you taught me. And, oh, that's, by the way, that's you know, huge. It, it is huge. Yeah. But here's the thing: I don't want it. Yeah. I, I hope nobody ever sends me another email, another text, another nothing. Yeah. Because I know they're not getting in a pinch. Yeah. But if they are, you know, it's yeah, man, this stuff works, yeah. and it's just not a bunch of rubbish going out there, going, "Hey, look at me!" No, nope, we're building solid foundational stuff, mm-hmm. and more for my LE guys. We're putting you know the physical dress in there. So we're having these guys running around with you know brute force sandbags and get those heart rates up because Mm -hmm. that's reality. Yeah, it is. It's just not standing there flat footed. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, let's do no man. Yeah, get them huffing and puffing and doing that. So yeah,
1: yeah. So um, yeah, safari and then uh, yeah, Swick Levy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the the group commander left. My safety blanket went away. Yeah, and then yeah because. People had tried to uh, pull me over to Swick earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh that didn't work. So I, I,
1: I was talking to those kids that were here yesterday for ballistics and I was like, when you come down on Swick orders, the only way to get out of it is to die. <laughs> in some cases, that's true. I tried to get out of my Swick assignment. Now in hindsight, I had a great time. Mm-hmm. I, I got to go to sniper school and worked for three years and 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 it actually gave me a let me take a knee mm-hmm. in the middle of a bunch of combat deployments sure. and probably helped me mentally very, very much. Right. Yeah. So um but at the time, you never want to leave a team, right? No. You're like, I'm going to get yeah, max I, Max time here, but...
2: I, I wasn't ready for the knee, but here's some things you got to set into context, right? Um, Did I want to go to SFAS? Nope. I was originally scheduled to go out to 37. Yeah. You know, so being a Sephardic grad, time in the SIF, obviously teaching at Sephardic. Um, But Rick does not have the best military tack mm. and will tell people of all ranks exactly what I think and what I'm feeling. Yeah. And... Kind of bit me in the butt. Mm. So, long story short, you know, here I am thinking, hey, I'm going over to Delta Company out to Range 37. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm. Some people that were higher ups out in the Swick, you know, food chain was like, mm-hmm. no, you're going out to Camp McCall. Mm. Oh, by the way, you're going out to SFAS. And it was just punishment. Yeah. And it was straight up, hey, you pissed me off at some point, And this is my way to, you jabbed it to me. Yeah. So, here I am, you know, lonely sergeant first class, I think at the time. Yeah. Sorry, sorry major. Sorry I jabbed you, but. Now he's going to jab me back. Yeah. So versus doing the best thing for the regiment, yeah, we're going to send you out to SFAS. It's pretty
1: petty, you know. Well, and, and as a as a and I I've never worked at SFAS, but as a as a guy who likes to teach and mm-hmm. mentor, you don't really do that at SFAS, Yeah, you're kind of herding cats, right? You're kind of moving yeah. big elements, and and you don't have yeah. time to to
2: really bear down and help guys. I would assume well, here's here's the problem when I get out there, you know, two thousand and two. It was not the SFAS that I knew. Mm. I don't remember being taught anything when I went through SFAS. Mm-hmm. Hey man, walk the road, put miles on your feet, carry heavy things. Are you in it to win it or not? Mm-hmm. Now you get out there. This whole teach, mentor, coach. Well, you have to. I
1: I, I was telling this <laughs> to these guys the weekend in, in Swick in the army, mm-hmm. you can't test people on stuff you haven't taught them. So mm-hmm. the, the whole teaching part of land nav and all that is a requirement in SWIC, have it been in SWIC and and, and, and maybe that came up later. I, you'd have been in a cadre when I went to selection.
2: Probably. Yeah, I went in 2002. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, probably was. Yeah. And depending, remember what, uh, what month it was? I think it was
1: late. It was like November because I okay. was waiting on my citizenship. Okay. And um, I was in Germany.
4: Okay. I
2: actually, might've been like September or something like that. You, yeah. You would've known Sarnhog because everyone knew Sarnhog. Yeah. Because I yeah. was just, I was angry. What I would, oh. Yeah, take it out on the students. Yeah. Well, it, it was part take it out on the students, right? But it wasn't really taken out on them. It was yeah. just, it was doing my job. Yeah. But I held standards. Yeah. That was the thing.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I was an E6 from the infantry. I was fucking... Thirty-four years old yeah. or something, you know what I
2: mean? I, and, I, and, and you probably could have been the gray guy that hey, never got any of
4: my attention. I
1: tried
2: to be, yeah. Um, but yeah, but it was as a generality, yeah. right? Yeah, and we had extras
1: in that class. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. and and some of them, um, who are freaking an SF now and probably sergeant majors were really good, and some of them mm-hmm. were jackasses who didn't know how to shut the hell up and just nope. do, you know what I mean? I, yeah. like, um, I'm sure they pissed you
2: off a lot. <sighs> It's like you would see things out there, and it's like you're not what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. So you'd go to a point, and you know people had to have a certain way to rucksack, but you'd go out to the start points, and you'd see all these the gravel rocks. Yeah, from out at McCall laying around. Yeah, I said all but, right,
1: but you guys stopped us halfway through the the rock and wait us and all that. You know,
2: well sometimes. So yeah. we did, but I would spot check guys. Yeah, yeah, and then I would start getting, hey man, what are you doing? Why can't I stop a dude and spot check his his ruck? Mm-hmm. I'm just enforcing the standards. Mm-hmm. And people get all aggravated, you know. Oh, what are you doing? I'm just enforcing the standards. Yeah. You asked me to come here. Yeah, your standards. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. your standards. Yeah. You asked me to find the right guy to put in the regiment mm-hmm. that, oh, we're a country at war. I know he's going to go to combat. You know, I want him to do the right thing. Yeah. And it just, it just became this big, vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. And- you know, there was a time there where they had a, v, you know, a non-VW window. So we had to do basically hut guard, which was like a 24 hour So CQ. VW is voluntary, voluntary withdrawal, withdrawal yeah. right? So they had a point where guys could not quit, all right? So even if you said, I quit, they'd be like, nope,
1: grab nope. on. You can't quit. You see, can, you see that of, of all the standards that you, should, can, you can deal with anything in SF except a quitter. Exactly, because a quitter's a liability, and you can't. Like I can yep. deal with a guy that needs a little more PT, or sure, yeah, you know, we can
2: train him. Right, sure. Quitters a quitter, but if your mind exactly, if your mm-hmm. mind's already saying, "Hey, it's too hard, and I'm out," yeah, I don't want you. Yeah, yeah, and when I say they, it's mainly at the the higher command level. Yeah. They would get irritated. Because again, I would have guys come knocking. the. It was always like two o'clock in the morning. Grr, yeah. Grr, guy knocking the door. Sorry, I want to quit. Pff, hey, bud, check it out. You can't quit. But I'm going to tell you this. You're going to do something tomorrow. I can't tell you what it is. Yeah. Just refuse to train. Tell them you're not going to do it. Yeah. They'll boot you. Yeah. And then like, what are you doing? You can't tell these guys that. I'm like, look at the guy. don't want to be here. He's sneaking out of his rack at O dark 30. So mm-hmm. his mates don't see him. Yeah. To tell me I want to go. Yeah. Why am I wasting my time yeah, and I, yeah, that's it, ridiculous. It was just right? mind-boggling yeah. that they, they played with these certain windows to guide, You know, the concept being, well, if you just push them through, dude. If I've got to push them, I don't want them.
4: Yeah, why have selection so, then?
2: Nope. Why bother exactly. having
1: selection? Just hey, yeah. come on over. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not a guy that's like, oh, you didn't find four points, you only found three, you mm-hmm. know, and and you did this, and you're. I, you can train guys, right? But you
2: can't fix a a guy who just doesn't have the right mindset. You just can't,
1: right? Because Um, then
2: then you saw it happening where guys would quit in SUT. Yes. So that tells me that, hey, we failed on our side. I I worked in SUT for a while and
1: I remember a guy quit Mm -hmm. and then he went back and he talked to the hedgeheads and he came back. So Mm -hmm. they sent him back to training. He was such a quitter, he Mm -hmm. quit quitting. Yeah. and came back. You no, 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 I, I nope. yeah, you can put up with a lot, but you can't put up with that. No. Yeah, that that's that's when the numbers start coming in, mm-hmm. and we need guys on teams. Well, we need good guys on teams. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I'd rather
2: have a six man team than twelve man team. Yes, but knowing these six guys yeah. will never quit. Exactly, yeah. I'll take them
1: all yeah. day long. Yeah, Um it's funny I, when I was in selection in Ireland, we were up the top of this mountain, and we were walking, we were patrolling, and we had HK33s and they kind (laughs) of were making us look through the sights at night There's jackass like big heavy rocks and it was bliss you know pouring rain and horrible and some guy was like I quit and they kind of were like I don't give a fuck. Like, You think a helicopter's going to come yeah. get you? Get your ass up that yep. mountain, you know? You can quit when we get to the end. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's funny how people's minds work. Mm-hmm. I never, ever, ever, ever thought about quitting in Mm-mm. either selection because I didn't know where else to go. No. I was not going back or, to the infantry. No. Know? no. Or, yeah. or you,
2: or you sucker yourself as the mind game. Ah, you know, I'll quit tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I'll quit yeah. around this next, you know, <laughs> this next bend up this, over this hill. Yeah. 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 yeah just it. suck it up. Yeah. Um, with three-year tour? No, I got it cut short. Uh mm-hmm. I was would out of there. So uh I got there again sometime, I think it was early mid uh, two thousand two. Then I go back operational uh two thousand four. Right. You so, were it, you
1: were itching to go because the war had kicked off. The war right? was going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, when I was talking to Andy Stump, I was telling him my timeline, and he was like So you were in the coup course in 2002 and 2003. It must have been like really good. And I was like, it was the opposite, right? Because they reached in and pulled a lot of guys back Mm -hmm. and sent them back and they they augmented it with National Guard guys, right? And I'm not bashing National Guard, but these guys came in and they really had no foundation in teaching. They didn't, in a lot of cases, know the subjects Mm and stuff. And- Flutter kicks were the go-to, man. I'll yeah. just give this guy flutter kicks all day, every day yep. uh, uh, until he quits. Like, and, and it, it it was not good. Mm-hmm. It really was not good. And and SUT was bad. The Nathan Bravo course wasn't great. <clears throat> Robin Sage was awesome.
2: Yeah, but yeah. part of that had to do with the whole ramp up because yeah. you got to think, um, and I don't know if you're out there and this is where I kind of draw blanks as far as time, but mm-hmm. I know um, with SUT, they wound up having to basically set up a tent city over in the parking lot there. Yes.
1: So it, my class in S.U.T. Mm-hmm. was like 180 or 200 yeah. guys. It was massive. Yeah. And I remember at, at certain points, they'd be like, does anybody want to quit? If you want to quit, take a step back, move to the right. And I'm yeah. thinking nobody's going to quit. And I hear all the shuffling and yep. moving behind me. And I'm like, what is going on? But yeah. that that fed me, you know, and massive amounts of guys were quitting. And Part of that was it was tough, but part of it, honestly, was it was so badly run mm-hmm. that they were like, "This is not what I want." Yeah. Well, I, I, I caution people that that Swick
2: model is not what SF is. It is it, it, not right. No. So, um, but that Swick model was basically trying to put a Band-Aid on a sucking chest wound because they had they were trying to do go from um, anywhere from three hundred to three hundred and fifty yes graduates mm-hmm. to 750 active duty enlisted. Yes. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. huge, because when I talked to 3350, 350, that's yes, active duty enlisted, that's your officers, that's your guards, mm-hmm. that's everybody. Yeah. Now you're trying to over double that just yeah. with your enlisted guys. Yeah. They could not handle the capacity of people they were just trying to pump through. Yeah. And that's why, in, in my opinion, there was just such a poor product. Yeah. And we knew that. That's why we we're trying to run the standards at SFAS, but it's mm-hmm. like,
4: what are you guys doing?
2: Yeah. It, yeah.
4: Whoa, dude, if he wants to
2: quit, let him quit. Yeah. If he doesn't want to be here, get rid of him. Yeah. I, I think my SUT class,
1: I think I got the numbers wrong. I think it was like more like 300. But mm-hmm. um, I remembered that like 100 people failed mm-hmm. the standards, and then 100 people quit, let's say. And then they... They came in and of the hundred people or 150 people that failed the standards, like the officers come in and said half of those will move on to the next phase. Now in in there, there's there's a middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of the instructors were holding ridiculous standards mm-hmm. and when you when you when you fail everybody, uh, you and then they come back and half of these people are moving forward, right yeah. You don't get to really get rid of the people that shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. right And I think you sometimes get, instructors when I was a first one I saw this uh with young e7 green Berets who hold standards that they probably couldn't pass when yeah. they were a young soldier right so th- there is a middle ground right and uh but they'd fail so many that the China command said nope not allowed to fail that many mm-hmm. and push push some forward sure and uh and then you'll always get the theory that well once you go into the Q course, uh, you're done. You're not being assessed ever again. Mm-hmm. This is a, a recurring theme because you've selection. Yeah. Well, what happens in SUT when a guy quits? Are you not allowed to drop him? Or in SUT when a guy just does something egregious, like you really should be assessed throughout the Q 100%. course. 100%. But, but um, it doesn't, especially the further you go and there's been money pumped into you, it's because, much yeah. harder. Yeah, it, yeah. It,
2: it, yeah. because that was the thing when, you know, especially out at... Um, I knew guys that worked at Robin Sage. Yeah. And it's like, this guy doesn't need to be here. Yeah. They couldn't get rid of him. Nope. They're like He passed it, selection. It, yep. You know, he passed mm-hmm. selection. He's already done SUT. You know, MOS phase, however that new pipeline works, I don't know. I but, don't know. We don't know, but yeah. But yeah. too far down the road, it's like, nope, get him through. And yeah. you just like.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It, yeah. It's, anyway, it's a numbers game. That's, Sometimes, um, but I do think young instructors get too... Uh, Pumped up and 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 <laughs> like when I was the first one at WLC. Like I had uh, we had a big layout day one, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're eighteen x-rays right? They, they pass selection and yeah. then they come to me, right, for an NCO leadership school. A big layout day one, and then. Uh, this guy was missing like three items, and then the next day he miraculously had them. Right, so one of these E7 comes to me and he's like, "I think this friggin' guy called his buddy somehow and had him come and throw it over a fence. and we needed to kick him out. I'm like, good for him. He's, I, the, guy, he's the guy I want. That's the guy I want. Yep. And I'm like, why is that a bad thing? Yep. He didn't get caught.
2: Nope. And he got his shit. He got get, his, good for him. Good for him. Drive yep, on. Yeah, exactly. I, I just no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's
0: funny. Hey guys, Kevin Estelle, Fuel Craft Survival. One more sponsor before the end of this podcast, and that is Kefaro. Uh, Kafaro is the leading company in the United States for the best backpacks around, the best sleeping bags around, uh, the best heated shelters around. I've been a fan of Kafaro since 2006, 2007. One of my assistant instructors, Jerry Young, turned me on to them. And ever since then, I've been, uh, phew, God, I don't know how many times I've visited that site looking for something new. I have a sawtooth with a collapsible titanium stove. I have multiple backpacks. My favorite thing from Kefaru might be my Woobie, which is an improved uh, GI poncho liner style blanket. And I swear that thing is like my summer travel blanket. Uh, It comes with me everywhere. So uh, I'm gonna tell you guys, you should check out Kefaru. They're phenomenal people. Um, Our training facility that we use here, the property is on 2,500 acres. That has been generously, generously Uh, Loan to us essentially from Kifaru. So when you guys come out here and train with us, you can thank the folks at Kifaru. They make some phenomenal backpacks, lifetime guarantee, um, 100% Berry compliant, good, good people. So please check them out. Uh, The website is Kifaru, that is K-I-F-A-R-U dot net. K-I-F-A-R-U dot net. Please check them out. If you guys are wondering what my favorite backpack is, it's probably, probably The Reckoning maybe my 22 mag, Um, it could be my shape charge, it could be my door gunner, I haven't decided yet, but uh, you should check them out. I think you're gonna like what you see. All right, let's get back to this podcast.
1: So when you go back operational, Mm -hmm. um, you probably deployed pretty quickly. Yep. Yep. Where'd you go? Uh,
2: Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, So we we were on the whole, that was pretty much our big thing. Run Iraq. Yeah. Um, I think what oh five to ten because then yeah eleven on then we kind of transitioned uh, over to Afghanistan and then circled back
1: mm-hmm. to Iraq. Later yeah. on down yeah. the thing.
2: So that yeah. that's that's a
1: bunch of deployments, right? Yeah. So I had thirteen. Um, thirteen. Yeah. yeah. That that wears on you. It really does. I I uh, there's a guy that was and you're going to know, I'm not going to say his name, but mm-hmm. you're going to know him. He was a, a Navy diver, mm-hmm. and he came in, uh, he transferred over to the Army, right? And he was on a course at me, mm-hmm. and this guy was an ultra-marathon runner, mm-hmm. and I guarantee you, you know who mm-hmm. it is. Um funny guy, you know, really, really cool. I I ran into him later Mm -hmm. and he had back to back to back to back to back deployments and very tough combat. Yeah. And he was a different guy, man. I could tell that he was broke down. He was, and he moved off, you know, he went to like a staff job and he's pretty Mm -hmm. out now, you know, but the guy I knew in 03 on the Q course and the guy I ran into in 2011 when I was a team sergeant, Mm -hmm. very different guy. Yeah. Very different, and it does wear on you. Like mm-hmm. it really does, and and sometimes at the time you don't realize, yep. but it does. And I, and this is not oh, woe is me? Now, no, we're no, not, we're not that guy, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end, that's what I was saying when I was forced to take a knee in the middle of that, mm-hmm. and uh, it it probably helped me more than I than I realized because when you go, you know, two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, there, 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 it 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 really does take its toll both yeah. on family and on, on yep. your, your physically on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, mentally on you. And that's not like, Oh my God, I had to shoot. Not that right. It, it, it's yeah. it's just a wearing down process, especially when you're working nights and oh, sleeping yeah. and you never see the sun. No. That
2: alone or, will kick your ass. Or when you do see the sun, you're like, Oh, the great equalizer is out. You know, there goes my technology. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, no. Yeah. And, and you hit a key point, Kevin, right? Because... You know, I hate, I hate how much PTS or PTSD is thrown out there, yes. right? It's yep. like, it's mm-hmm. like the blanket brush, Yeah, um, it is. Pro, you yep. know, for me, I've dubbed mine a new thing. I've got combat grief. Mm-hmm. Mine is not what I did on the battlefield. Doesn't matter. The mates I never mourn for and the pain I caused my family, mm. the times I should have gone home. Yeah. I'm lying to mama. They won't let me. They would have let me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I'm telling her, nope. And then I'm telling the command, nope, she's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you want to be there with your boys. Yeah. You don't want to sit mm-hmm. there and go away. And again, it's all this just stupid stuff in the back of your head. But what if something happens? Yeah. What if, you know, you can play the what if game all day long. Yeah. But I got to stay here with these guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If something happens and I'm not there, I'll never forgive myself. Right. And and <laughs> I, I, I you know, I talk to young guys in SF now and I'm like, you got to strike a balance, man. You mm-hmm. really, and it's very difficult because it, that's the, that's the, the package they come in, right? These yep. essa, we hired them for certain traits, yep. and then it, it, it does, it really hammers that home, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, and then eventually when you do get out, mm-hmm. the army's like, hey, don't let the door hit you on the yeah. way out, right? Like I, I was, I don't care about awards. I think awards are stupid, mm-hmm. honestly. That's my personal opinion. I think they're inflated. It, 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 I don't care. But mm-hmm. when I get out, the my commander put me in for Legion Merit, right? Mm-hmm. Very high award sure. for, you know, very long career. It got downgraded by an officer who'd mm-hmm. never met me. Like, yeah. you know, I, I was like, I don't even care if you give yeah. me, a, I don't care, right? So when you actually step out and they're like, okay, here's your flag and here's your certificate. Thanks for your service. Mm-hmm. Get out. Yep. It, it kind of, now I, again, the things that helped me, I I got to take a knee. I transitioned to another job in field mm-hmm. craft with like-minded guys to do cool stuff, right? And I'm not a drinker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these guys go a hundred miles an hour. All of a sudden it stops. They're sitting at home watching Netflix and pouring alcohol in it, and it does not end well in some cases, right? Yeah. But I do think PTSD is, is overblown in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Like, I went to see a shrink when I was leaving. It was part of my out-processing mm-hmm. thing, and... Uh, I was like, I have absolutely no regrets about what I. She was like, Have you shot people? Yes. Have mm-hmm. you seen people die? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have you done that? Yes, 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 yes. I have absolutely no regrets. I would do it right now yep. if you put me in the same position. Um, I, I, I we it, you guys struggle with loss of sense of purpose mm-hmm. because you're
2: tibetus beer, right? You're that's, doing great things for your yep. country, and now you're sitting at home watching TV, right? It's but that's that's the whole key, right? So when we look at this whole transitional process, you know. I'm going to rewind a little bit when we look at the whole PTS because I think it's important that we always say PTS or PTSD. We never mention the TBIs. And yeah, I say yeah. eyes is plural. Right. So Be- 50% of my disability is TBI. Yeah, if, right. Yeah. But if you look at the TBIs and PTS. TBI is traumatic brain traumatic injury. Yeah. Yeah. Brain injury. I say injuries. We can get mm-hmm. into how many, God knows, thousands of yeah. wax to the melon. But the thing is, if you look at signs and symptoms between PTS and TBI, they parallel almost identical. Yes. With the exception of the reoccurring nightmares. Yeah. You know, that's that's pretty much the major difference. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important factor because I think too many times you're like, yeah, you've got all the signs and symptoms, but I'm not sitting there in the corner sucking my thumb, non-functioning member of society. I can get out and function and do all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I personally, I'm not a big fan of that. And I think too many guys get labeled with it. Hey, let's fix our brain injuries. Let's get our brains right and get that moving forward.
1: Do you think like guys who who go to combat Mm -hmm. and do like violence Mm -hmm. for years and years and years, and can put that down and move on with their lives mm-hmm. without, do you think that's something that's trained? Do you think it's baked into your DNA as a kid? Do you think it's something that, you,
2: uh, I mean- it, 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 Here's it, the thing. You, you don't ever put down the violence, yeah. right? So the violence is on back burner. So here's the deal. Just like I tell my students, shooting is an unemotional event. Violence is an unemotional event. I walk around hundreds, thousands of people, whatever throughout my time, right? If you check the block ill intent, you will get violence. She mm-hmm. will get violence to an extent you don't want to see.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: So it, it's not like it's ever removed. It's just how do you put it in check? Yeah, it, but it, it's in check because... I
1: never, somebody cuts me off. I'm never like, oh, ah, grab my gun. I never, I'm just calm,
2: it, right? Yeah. But if you want to break into my house, I'm going to turn a switch, right? It, yeah. It, yeah, and I think that's the key part. Now I might sit there and tell, give somebody some words of encouragement if they cut me off. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> I
1: got cut off but, the other day in favor.
2: Like, they I flipped me off. Sh- I'm shock, like, shocking, yeah. <laughs> right? But I'm not going to pull out my pistol. Give me a no, break. No, no. But that's the point is, it, you know, those of us, that if you want to say have administered violence, mm-hmm. it's in check. Yeah. You know, did I go over there just arbitrarily, even, you know, today coming over here, am I looking for the fight? I'm aware. Mm-hmm. But if the fight pops up, it's an unemotional event. Yeah. You checked, yes, you wish me ill intent, boom, you're getting the full Monty. Yeah. hostile intent is hostile intent, it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, end of story. Mm. But you hit a key point on, you know, these guys that get out, and this is where, in my opinion, the service doesn't set them up for success, is... I don't care what a guy's purpose is, what his passion is. There's too many guys that their identity is tied to the military. Mm -hmm. Start setting a guy up and, and I tell everyone, hey, go be an entrepreneur. Because then you're your own boss. Yeah. You can run that passion. See, I don't want that. Like, I, I, Mike Glover is great at that. Me, I just don't want the stress.
1: Yeah. I'd rather work for somebody. Like, I have my own little thing here in sure. North Carolina, so I
2: do like that freedom. But, um, but in essence, you are, because that's, that's, yeah. pur- that's your purpose, yeah.
1: right? I, I think guys like us are, a lot of us are not motivated by money. We're motivated by sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I got this done.
4: Boom, yes. Yeah. You know, it's a
2: high, right?
1: Yeah.
4: yeah, or purpose
2: of, hey, I taught somebody a skill set yeah. that hopefully they never have to use. But if they do, yeah. You yeah. know, even even with you teaching the navigation stuff, mm-hmm. right? Cool. Go out there, and make yourself a better navigator. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll be more successful at SFAS. Maybe you'll be better. Hey, God forbid you get lost out in the woods. Hey, something you taught me brought me back. Boom, I yeah. get back home. You know,
4: yeah.
2: thousand different things. Yeah. But I think yeah. that's the that's the part people forget is if you want to look at DNA or, or commonality, it's that giving back. It's yeah. that purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think if guys can find it, because I've talked to too many guys that are getting ready to get out, it's like, hey, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Yeah. Well, what's your purpose? Mm. Just because you've been gunslinging for umpteen years doesn't mean that's what you have to do. Yeah. I opted, that's the space I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. I That is my passion, that is my drive. Yeah. I've known guys to go out, start up breweries. Yeah. Woodworking, mm-hmm. you know, metalwork, mm-hmm. just all kinds of stuff. Some guys have just gotten into sales, done real estate. It doesn't matter. Mm. That's the thing guys need to understand. It yeah. does you, you'll not matter. you that
1: passion and you'll be whatever, successful. Whatever there, your passion there are is. Prob- There's so many... Vietnam. You know, everybody concentrates on the Vietnam veteran and mm-hmm. the fatigues and the big beard and smoking dope and he, he, he he's just falling apart after mm-hmm. Vietnam. A lot of guys, especially special operations guys, came back from Vietnam, started their own business. They're, Captains of industry because they just crushed yeah. everything, but we nobody we focuses on that, right? Nope. Um, and it's the same. Yeah, there are a lot of guys who get out. You don't have to sound a range and teach technical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, uh, whatever, yeah. whatever your purpose is, whatever your passion is, mm-hmm. do that.
2: It doesn't. That's the thing, man. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: it, if you do that for a while, it's not your thing. Do something else. It, 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 this this country is built for you to start businesses and and yeah, uh, yeah. start an LLC, push down that. And, and, and I think some people think too that. Um. okay, I was in special operation for 20 years and mm-hmm. I can do this and this and this. I'm going to start my own training and people will just come flooding to you. There's mm-hmm. a whole marketing aspect to that. Oh, you got to figure. It, That's why I'm to start working with Mike. I was like, Mike, can I stay anonymous? Yeah. Mike's like, nope. And no. I, it wasn't like I thought I was a ninja or anything. I'm just a private person, mm-hmm. right? So- um, it, but once I went down that road, and, and my whole world didn't come crashing down, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, uh, yeah, I
2: get it, you know, Kevin, I do. As in the same boat, man. So yeah. you, you gotta think I did not have social media. I didn't even w- when I was in. Yeah, and I didn't
1: have it a year and a half ago. No, I, well, n- I barely had an email. So yeah.
2: so I got forced into. I think it was 2018. Um, I'm at my first shot show. If you want to say as a civilian, yeah, talking to my industry partners, I'm like, hey, man, we haven't seen you on social. Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're building it. Hey, where's your website? Yeah. Uh under construction. Yeah. It, pff, yeah. And you're going, oh because nobody had really talked this whole um marketing scheme and how all that stuff works and how to leverage social and, and yeah. everything else and yeah. the pros and cons that come with it and just all the issues and dramas and yeah. it's just yeah i
1: i it's funny i was talking to mike there a while ago and he was talking about oh yeah this guy's got like a a, a degree in marketing and mm-hmm. i'm like mike you at this point have two degrees in marketing like yeah. they have all the theory because they learn it in school you've been doing this shit for six years and you're really good at it and you've figured out the pitfalls i think yeah. and uh he just has a knack for it like mm-hmm. i'm just struggling i I try to keep up. Um, but I'm not Mike. I can't turn the camera on and go yeah. IGTV live and talk for, for 30 minutes. I just I, I, it's not my thing, you know?
2: But again, you hit a key point, IGTV. So you're battling IG. Yeah. And do you fit whatever it is their algorithm? Oh that, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. And and yeah. that's half the problem. Yeah. So we're using a free marketing platform because that's what it is. I don't call it social media, it's social marketing. It is. Why do I have it? To get my brand out there, my awareness, hey, here's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But I'm fighting an industry that's against me anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to use a free tool, get the word out there. And how do you leverage that, not hit certain keywords, how talk around things, do things so that they're not blackballing you Mm -hmm. and try to gain some type of reach. But then when you're looking at your reach, it's like, do I really care about, if you wanna say my IG followers, or do I care about, hey, when I get out there and put a post, hey, make sure to sign up for the Warhog newsletter. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody's willing to take the time to sign up for my newsletter, that's telling me they care about what I have to say. Yep. That's the true, if you want to say, person I want. Mm-hmm. Because IG can sit there tomorrow and go, hey, you're done. We don't like what you're saying. Um, I had a, a fraudulent account pop up this week, as a matter of fact, trying mm-hmm. to you know battle with that. I think we finally stopped that. But yeah. they don't want to verify you. Hey man, what do you need for me to go? This is me. Yeah. Give me my little blue check to go. I'm true. I am real. I am. Yeah. Well, you're, you're in that space. They don't care. So, I, no. I had
1: a guy yesterday who was like, Hey, I, I, I really appreciate your answer my question on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was impressed that you knew all this stuff. And I was like, I'm not on Facebook very much. I don't know what you're talking about. And he screen captured it, the conversation mm-hmm. and sent it to me. I'm like, that's a fake account. Yeah. That's somebody else pretending to be me. Yeah. And and we successfully got that shut down. Yeah. And this guy was answering all kinds of questions yeah. and stuff, you know, it, it's definitely a whole new world, but transitioning into it. I, I think guys like us, I, to me, it's just the next phase, right? Mm-hmm. And guys like us who can't adjust a civilian life in that way they have problems right sure. sometimes right yeah. so to me for me it was just like okay if this is the next thing i have to do mm-hmm. to move forward and okay
2: i'll,
4: yeah, I'll you, play the game that's yeah. it
2: you embrace it and mm-hmm. then and then it's constant education right yeah so whether it's conversations with you or mike or other people that are using social platforms to be successful yeah. hey man what are you doing hey can you help me out? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the other part that people forget is the veteran community is very strong. Yeah. Especially my SF brothers. Yeah. Rock solid. Yep. You can pretty much call them up, and say, Hey man, yep. I'm struggling with this. Can you help me out here? Yeah. Hey, try this, this, and this. We should be helping each other. We should. I, 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 it's not always the case. No, but we should be helping each other. But you're yeah. I would just say this, for the most part, the circles that you run in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, even if somebody from, you know, an outsider reaches out, hey man. I'll try to help you as much as I can. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's just um, that whole giving it's back. It's
1: funny because I, I try, like on Instagram, I try not to live in the past and post all the old mm-hmm. photographs, but man, that, they're the ones people like, oh, you they, know, they love them. They you know, love it. I posted one of me and Mike yesterday in Sephardic. Yeah. And uh, like, man, like probably the, because Mike was on it, probably the most, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, People just eat it up. Mm-hmm. They eat it up, you know. So, um. Yeah, it, it's a it's a strange platform and a strange new world, but it's effective. Oh, yeah. people need to know who you are. Yep. Um. So let's let's jump forward to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm done. I, I'm I'm going to get out. Right. Uh. After so many years in combat. Yep. Um. Uh, was it just one time trigger thing where you're like, you know what, I I can't do this
2: anymore, or was it like, okay, uh, now so here's the deal, Uncle Sugar basically said, hey, you got to get out really i hit my rcp really yep yeah I, I asked i asked for an operational extension yeah to take me to 30. yeah when they said no yeah. and you gotta understand this i had never accepted no in my life at all at that point when i got told no i was like
4: okay how old were you oh
2: man why are you put me on the spot okay oh, don't how many years 40, do you have service uh probably when i got told for my uh extension there was probably 28. Cause I ended up doing twenty nine years. Okay. So I, I ran it all the way to my RCP.
1: That I, I don't get that, man. I don't get that. I I,
2: I, I would I, probably I, still, you know, be honest with you. I'd probably still be serving today.
4: Really? Yeah. Do, I mean,
2: well, it kind of got to that point where things started getting a little weird towards the end, and you mm-hmm. kind of knew the writing was on the wall. Hmm. I, I enjoyed what I did. Yeah. Um.
1: You see, I. I, I think in some cases it's a security blanket because that's what we've done our whole life, right? And it, I, I, But I, me, I, me, I loved it, right? I was going to be a sergeant major, right? Mm-hmm. And I was checking all the boxes a first sergeant, which is like a bang. You do yep. that in SF, you're going to be a sergeant major, right? And then at a certain point I was like, I, I don't want to be sergeant major. I, I saw what, they, what sergeant yeah. majors are doing in SF, and I was like, I, I, I don't want that. Yeah. So I, I declined my record review like a year, mm-hmm. like, like three or four years in a row, and... I went to uh, I went to force mod because I want to work guns and bullets and stuff. And sure. I got to a certain point. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I, yeah. I, I'm freaking done. It, I, I,
2: yeah. I mean, it's, it's that point. Like I said, for me, one of the operational extension. Yeah. Nope. Don't want to go fight for you. I think at that point, you know, it's just like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll hit my RCP, you know, yeah. retention control point. And yeah. Yeah. We'll do 29 years and, and we'll call it good. And, you know, leaning forward to get Warhawk tactical going i mean i knew it was going to be going anyway the business was already pre-set up well mm-hmm. before that's the way to do it too it's yeah to get it up and running but, before yeah but see here's the thing man i had so many mistakes I, yeah. I did so many things wrong yeah because i didn't know yeah um i had a buddy of mine hit me up so Warhawk was not Warhawk tactical was not my first name okay. i won't say what my first name was but okay. he's like he's like hey man your branding's rubbish. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, this business name's great. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, where's your name? But a very kind of classic guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, you know, looking at old school Americana entrepreneurship, you know, why are companies have certain names? Why is Glock Glock? Why Smith and Wesson, Smith and Wesson, Daniel Defense? I mean, you look at all these companies that have people's names in it. He's like, mm-hmm. where's your name? Your mm-hmm. name is your brand. Mm-hmm. All right, so we had to do some thinking. All right, cool. So we get the Warhog tactical going. Mm-hmm. But then you gotta go, where's your logo? Yeah. Now, now you got to get a logo.
4: Yeah. Now, yep. You,
2: you know, now you need a website, three website services later because yep. you go with this one mm-hmm. doesn't do what you're doing. Now you're doing e-commerce and, you know, figure that out. So it's all just wasted time. Then you got to dabble with YouTube stuff. Then you got to do social stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just, man, when I got out thinking, hey, I'm at the 80% solution. Pff, yeah. I'm probably 25, maybe. Yeah. Cool. I got my business set up. I've got, you know, my name and yep. I got my logo going but yeah. all the rest infrastructure-wise, rubbish. Did did you, so the military have a whole process
1: where mm-hmm. they do a bunch of training and all that uh, at the end of your career, but it's set God. up for like E4s, right? It's set it, up for young kids and this is how you balance your checkbook yep. and here's how you build your resume and all that. And I was like, I don't need any of that. I don't it, really have a job, man. I, it's garbage, yeah, right? Yeah, it really but, is. It's not set up for guys like us. It's set well, up for those young guys who get out early
2: right but even like the boost the business class yeah don't tell me to go to sba and get a loan i don't need a loan yeah tell me how to market yeah you know tell me how to how to sell myself Mm -hmm. how to do this yeah um that's the whole part that to me is really the atrocity with all of this is it should be a start to finish cool you want to be an entrepreneur great what field you looking to go in Mm -hmm. what's your business name how does your business name you know tie into you where's your logo here's places to go to get Logo designs. Mm. Um, here's how to leverage social. Here's what to watch out for in social. You know, all that stuff. Hey, here's what we recommend for e commerce websites. You know, if you're looking to do e commerce or you're just looking for a a website for information. I mean, so many different things. Mm. That's the information. Yeah. Because that would have been gold to me. Yeah. Versus how many web come on, three separate website providers, right? Yeah. That's just wasted time. Yeah. Time well, that I could be putting effort forward somewhere else.
1: Yeah, like some of our e-commerce platforms just got shut down mm-hmm. because who knows why? Overnight, boom,
2: gone, uh, I, right? I know, I know why, because depending which ones you're using, yeah. there's certain ones that's presidential.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we don't know specifically why, because we had them for years, right? And, and they made but, a lot of money, but, so.
2: Yeah, but all of a sudden they'll do it. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. They, they, so yeah, that would be great to do that, but um, unrealistic because that, that entity within... Uh, cap or whatever it's called now would mm-hmm. have to keep up with trends and constantly be evolving and figuring things out but, and all that. And it's the government. Let's be honest.
2: It It is, but it wouldn't have to be that difficult, right? Mm-hmm. So really what's the only, marketing's marketing. Yeah. Hey, here's how to leverage social media. I mean, you can do yeah. it in a generic because really when you look at social, what are you trying to beat? You're trying to beat their algorithm. That's what you're trying to do. How do you sneak under the weather and get their algorithm? Yeah. Yeah. As long as you understand, hey, man, if you're doing a post, here's what your hashtags provide. Here's what this does. Here's how your picture your content. Here's what you're trying to do. Yeah. Videos grab more attention than stills. Just generalities. Yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't have to be that specific. And mm-hmm. I think it would at least set guys up for success versus me. Hey, kids, what's this Instagram thing? Yeah, trial and error. <laughs> I had to explain it to Dan, man. Dan's
1: like, it as I was when Mike Mike had to set it up for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't even know what this is,
2: it, right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But a, a generic one-on-one, I think, could be done. Yeah, so. yeah, I think so, too. I,
1: and I think it would be super beneficial. Yeah, because um, yeah, it is a whole new world, man. It <laughs> really is. It,
2: similarities, um, but total different, right? Yeah. So you're still just trying to work a different problem set. Yeah, yeah. So you get out-
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you've already started Warhog Tactical. Mm-hmm. What was your focus? Like, was it, um, I know you, you, you run a dog for a long time, mm-hmm. um, in tactical in a lot of combat. And, uh, so you, you were like, I'm going to teach flat range. I'm going to teach police how to
2: use dogs. I'm going to work the military. Like what was your overall business that, plan? Yeah, that was it. So it was firearms, tactical and canine training. Okay. Covering law-abiding citizens, military, and law enforcement agencies. Okay. So each one's broken down a little different, right? So I'm not doing, uh, if you want to say CQB to, you know, your average civilians yep. there.
5: Mm-hmm. No need. You know, I wouldn't do it either. Reserve
2: yeah. that for your military law yep. enforcement. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the canine. Yeah. I'm not doing canine training to regular civilians. Yeah. I'm not going to teach somebody how to work a bite dog. No. Because here's the thing. When it comes to protection dogs, your dog's first bite is usually rubbish anyway. Mm. So people buy these bite dogs for protection. Are you really going to get what you think you're going to get? Probably not.
1: I didn't, you know? I, I'd love to get your take on something. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, um, I had an interesting conversation with a police guy who's a dog guy, right? And he mm-hmm. was like, you got to take these dogs and they're not naturally like almost above the food chain with people, right? So mm-hmm. you got you to gotta teach this dog that I'm going to go after that guy mm-hmm. who's generally like higher on the hierarchy than me. And I'm not going to be scared. I'm going to take his ass down. Yeah, And it's a little difficult and only certain dogs will do it. Like my dog, Mm Vinny was imported from Belgium Mm -hmm. to be a police dog. Yeah. Wrong personality. Vinny's a big baby. Vinny's not aggressive at all. (laughs) So he's my service dog and he does a great job. Right. So do you find any, any, is that through, like you got to take this dog and you got to teach him that you're above this person in the, in the food chain and you can,
2: you can, tear him up because it's not normal for a dog it, it's not but it's all about their drive yeah so like you said not all dogs just because you get a dog from overseas or just because he's had some bite work doesn't mean that he's in it to win it yeah he might bite a suit or do something just to go Yep. Yeah, i'm going through the motions yeah but does he really have malicious intent yeah in his heart yeah and i'll use a prime example so when you look at duco He was my um, my combat assault dog. I recently lost. Mm -hmm. So So
1: you you retired him from the military and everything. We we retired. We retired the same time. Missions you do with him?
2: Uh, uh, We did deployments, so I don't know. Yeah,
4: yeah. It wasn't like
0: wasn't like a tally, you know, tally tally tick.
2: But to watch that dog, right? Here's the beauty with him: very social. Be around the guys, hang out. We say he could almost be a pet, you know. Yeah. But then you turn around and release them yeah. and he is a absolute beast. Yeah. But just yeah. to watch him flick that switch. Yeah. And to me, it's like, if I could sit there and duplicate that dog, I would. Yeah. I'd, I'd have a thousand of them. Yeah. Because he just had that ability to flick that switch. Yep. I'll bring it. No fear. Crushing people like nobody's business. Mm. It's like, all right, hey, we're done. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hey dad, what yeah. do we have for snacks? Yeah. You
1: know, we got to go throw yeah. the ball. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so, funny. Yeah. Um, the- uh, He was a Mal, right? Dutch Shepherd. Dutch Shepherd. Yeah. What's the best breed for that?
2: Is Dutch? I'm gonna say Dutch. Really? Because uh, I'm gonna. Now I had a Mally. Yeah. So my first, I lost my first dog, Marco, um, and Duco was his. Was my replacement for him. Okay. Marco was a a Malley. Hmm. Um, but after having you know a Dutchie, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean to the Dutchies. What's the difference? So it's just really when you look at obviously different breeds, yeah. right? Still have the same drive, the same everything else. Um, most of your malleys are are kind of a um a smaller hair type dog. Malleys can run um usually they can get down a little bit less in weight. So you might have anywhere 50, 60 pounds. Yeah. Um Duco pretty much ran at his prime fighting weight. He was about 60, 62. So mm-hmm. they're a little bit bigger stature, but again, Dutchies have this reputation. They can kind of be, um, let's just say bipolar. Sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but like I said, with me, I got I got one that was he was just spot on. He was very much social one time when he has to be, and then yeah. when it was time to do work, he would just bring the gas like nobody's business. That's
1: crazy. Yeah. So, uh, but you lost him recently, right? Cancer. Yeah. 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 Cancer. Cancer that's...
2: got him in uh, January or January, July fifth. Mm-hmm.
1: Is it? So. Is it hard to retire those dogs? <laughs> is it like? Because I'm sure a long time ago it was frowned upon because they're, they're you, you couldn't time. right yeah, so yeah.
2: you got to think um prior to 2000 if once a dog got done his military career they just euthanized them yeah so congress passed a law in 2000 they were no longer going to euthanize military working dogs yeah because we left over four thousand dogs in vietnam yeah I excess mean,
4: equipment just horrible
2: <laughs> horrible yeah you know yeah um so congress passes hey we're gonna allow these guys to be retired
5: mm-hmm.
2: now here's the thing looking at marco so who he was my um First dog I had, he was my Mal. He was a very edgy dog. Mm. I told myself when I first got him, I said, oh yeah, we'll retire this guy. Mm. Probably would have been a bad call. Yeah. You know, would not have been the right dog. So yeah. can you sit there and go, hey, are all dogs cut out to be retired and then go to the house? Probably not. Yeah. You know, there's been plenty that have retired and then moved on to like, you know, police agency or something mm. like that.
1: Yeah, do, do uh, Mel's, like something I noticed about Vinny is, he runs hot, man. Like the, like, Vinny's mean, very calm mm-hmm. in the house. He's been very well trained. He has an off switch, which mm-hmm. is, I can't imagine having him out with no off switch. It'd yeah. be insane, right? But, um, but I take him out. He, uh, He's so fired up. He runs hot. Like he overheats. It, it seems like he overheats. Like he's you chasing the ball, you don't notice when you yeah. stop. He's like, <laughs> like, like
2: he's just burned out almost, you know? But that's, that's their, their drive, man. Yeah. That's that ball drive. Yeah. And, and you got to look at these dogs too, right? So your average, if you want to say a vet would look at these dogs, like, oh man, they're running hot or they're, yeah. they're not. You got to kind of know your dog. Yeah. And that's the thing is you can have some generalities to go, Hey, here's where their temperature respiration and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Hey man, he may just, like you said, run hot because that's the way he is or that's his regular operating yeah. temperature so yeah
1: do, you, have, do you ever do uh, I don't even know if you, you, you've you you've probably thought of it but do you ever do uh, when you're running with police do you ever do like uh, any kind of first aid with a dog like if a dog gets shot or anything mm-hmm. like that do, do you ever go into that area it, somebody said that to me before we should run a course for like dog first aid mm-hmm. type of thing for police units where a dog gets hurt yeah um, so
2: here's the thing I can do med stuff mm-hmm it, but again, the world I used to live in, yep. right. Your eighteen delta was kind of your SMA. Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. I teach you? Can I talk that? Yep. I can give you the the generics. Hey, here's, you know, trauma stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'd prefer that eighteen delta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just to have their two cents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh here's the thing. If you can do, you know, human first aid. Patch holds. You, yeah. You patch do, holds. You can patch, do yeah. you can do canine first aid. Yeah. The, the the hardest thing I will say with the canine, right, is when it comes to tourniquet application. Yeah. Because yeah. because they don't have perfectly cylindrical yeah. limbs, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really your only.
1: I, I remember talking to uh, Brian Edwards, who was Regiment CSM, mm-hmm. and he was talking about like Don Range. Everybody wanted the Mal. Everybody wanted the attack, the multi-purpose canine. Mm-hmm. But the the lab, the Snoopy, who just does sniffing, mm-hmm. is better at that one thing, right? And when when you teach a dog multiple disciplines, there, there's a little bit of give and take there, right? There is, yeah.
2: You know, here's the thing. So our dogs were dual purpose. Yeah. Um, we still focused on detection because that's an important piece as well. Yeah. So depending on, not so much in Afghanistan because you're pretty much flying right there and doing your business, mm-hmm. but over in Iraq, yeah. hey, if you're doing an offset, mm-hmm. the dog's going to be out there in front. Or flexing from one target to another. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. get them out front. Yeah. And hey, just make sure this route's clear. Yeah. Um, so we did put time and effort into detection. Mm. But again their main drive or what's their satisfaction isn't so much finding that bomb and sitting there going hey man here's your ball check it out great great job buddy (laughs) which oh by the way you're not getting paid overseas because it's like hey i see you start indicate i'm not gonna let them finish yeah i'm gonna call them off Mm -hmm. market hey EOD, you go check that out you got something over there and let them deal with it yeah last thing i need to do is sit there and try to chuck them a ball right then he misses goes over there kicks a trip whatever yeah Don't, don't need the headache yeah um Yeah, there's pros and cons, but I still, I believe that our dogs were were just as well up there. Yeah, they wanted to sit there and bite, but we did that much detection work with them. And trust me, I've had, you know, finds on target Mm -hmm. uh, of explosives and stuff like that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, That's
2: awesome. Uh, All right. So where can people find you, Warhog Tactical? Warhog two G's, Mm W-A-R-H-O-G-G dot com. Okay. So here's the thing. I'm driving everyone to the website because from there you can find all my social platforms. Okay. If you want to find us on any social um oh, Facebook, IG, Twitter, YouTube, yeah. Warhog just type in Warhog Tactical mm-hmm. and it's all there. And you
1: do you do uh tactical training, but you you do you do dog stuff for military leo, mm-hmm. you do we do other stuff for civilian um application, right? Pistol carbine stuff like yep. that. Yep. And uh the uh, I know you're going out to, to Utah to do some stuff with Mike soon, mm-hmm. so uh, that that'll be really cool. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's
4: awesome, man. I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Always good. It's cool. And
2: we'll we'll have to circle back with you and get you on on the Range podcast. So that's my podcast that I'm um, a co-host on.
4: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We'll get you um, on, get
1: you on that. Yeah, I'm not much of a podcast guest. I'm kind of boring. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks, I appreciate God. it. That was a good conversation. Yeah, that. buddy. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, stay alert. Stay alive.